Greetings from Tromaville. Greetings from Tromaville. That's right, we're talking about trauma movies on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer And welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am the host of the show, Insane Mike. And this episode we are talking about trauma movies. What's a trauma movies? That's a great question. I'm hoping we can answer that question for you tonight on this episode. Uh, But before we do that, as always, it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. First up, he's a hideous, hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. Brian Clark, everybody. <laughs> Butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up. Of course, it wouldn't be a trauma movie without boobs. That's right. Jason Bollinger. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, how's it going? Jiggling for me. Boob. Sitting straight and tall and ready to go, much like the giant penis monster, also kind of veiny. Terry Turford, everybody! <laughs> uh, hey guys! <laughs> when things get tough and times are bad, he says these five little words Let's build a snowman! That's right, Sam Hayes! Hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> He watched blood-sucking freaks more time than more times than Lloyd uses the Kabuki Man car flip. That's right, Scary Gary. Hey, eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, special guest and director of of Honky Holocaust, an actual trauma release, Paul McLarney. I hope I said that right. Yeah, man. Close enough. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> Close enough? <laughs> Damn it. How is it said? Uh, honestly, it depends um, on the mood. Uh, so when you go to family Mac- reunions, what do they call, yeah. it, call each other? Yeah, all right, so if you were at a family reunion, you would get a uh, pat on the back if you said Macalarney. But anything you know within 100 syllables of that is acceptable. Okay. <laughs> all right. Paul it is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So well, you're way off on that pronunciation, but we'll we'll let it go. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> cool. How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> cool. Good. <clears throat> Let's see. So a few things here. Um, Dustin Neal could not be with us tonight, and and um, Neither could John Stalter, but uh, and that's because they're really busy right now cleaning up the bathroom after Joe Flyshaker used it. Oh, um, gross. So it may be a while before we see them again. Okay, um, and also I want to take a, take a moment to ask you to visit our Patreon campaign. Uh, for just a small amount a month, you can donate to our Patreon and receive several amazing, awesome perks. So go to patreon.com backslash A-O-T-K-P. Also, Attack of the Killer Podcast is a proud member of the Phantom Podcast Network. 
And if you haven't uh, checked out the podcast site yet, I suggest you do. There's many very awesome, great shows uh, such as ours on there, like Horrorcast, A to Z Horror, Nightmare Junkhead, many, many more. So check it out. I do highly it. recommend checking it out. Go to downrightcreepy.com backslash phantom and check it out. Check it out. Check it, check it. I also want to mention... What? If I if I donate to Patreon right now, will will first be a shirtless picture of Jason? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is Ooh. now. Now it's a perk. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Autographed in his own blood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and and also want to mention that if you are a first time listener to Attack of the Killer podcast, first of all, where have you been all my life? And also, our show. <laughs> How our show is structured is that it's a casual conversation of a particular topic with a group of friends discussing different horror movies. So, warning, we have no filters, and we most definitely will get into spoilers. So, listeners, be warned. Before we get into our topic of trauma movies, um, maybe we should check out a little bit of killer news. Now it's time for... All right, so this was kind of last minute, so I didn't write any funny headlines. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. And, this, and this, this first item is something that probably only Mike is going to be excited about other than myself. But Ooh. an independent releasing company called Garage House Pictures has announced they will be releasing one of Andy Milligan's most hard-to-find-and-obscure movies, Monstrosity, on Blu-ray later this year. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, it'll be transferred and restored with... The original camera negative into 4K. It's going to have an audio commentary by Jimmy McDonough, which I'm almost as excited about for if that as the I am for the movie. Uh, he's the author of the Ghastly One, the Andy Milligan oh, okay. biography. All right. And uh, there's going to be some trailers and outtakes and some other things yet to be announced, and they have not put a solid date on that. But it will be out sometime this year. That's amazing, exciting. Next up, Friday the 13th does indeed have a death curse. <laughs> We're not getting a new Friday the 13th movie this year. It has once more the been fuck? pushed back. It's once more been pushed back indefinitely. Word on the street is it's because Rings bombed like huh. the Blitzkrieg. Oh, no surprise <laughs> and, there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and, and suddenly everyone decided, hey, remember that horror movie you liked a few years ago? Is not a good enough. Uh, marketing tool mm. so no Friday the 13th Man. something that will perk you up after that crappy bit of news Robert England is getting back in the Freddy makeup what sadly it's not for a new Friday or a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie sorry I'm still thinking about the last item <laughs> there uh, a guy named Mike Kurz is writing and directing a documentary called Nightmares in the Makeup Chair and it's going to be Robert England getting fully made up by Robert Kurtzman while telling stories about Freddy. So it's kind of a half makeup tutorial, half uh, memoir kind of thing. And uh, there'll be some interview segments by Sven Gulli himself, Rich Coase, 
cause, however you say that. Nice. And uh, some some footage from uh, him meeting fans in the makeup when he did that a few years ago at Flashback Weekend. Mm. So that'll be out. Uh, they're they're shooting for a Halloween 2017 release on that. That that's pretty cool because he said that was going to be the last time he ever got makeup. Was it when he did that Flashback Weekend? Yeah, Freddy yeah. Krueger. Freddy Krueger has now had more farewell concerts than Kiss. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think we really believed it was the last time when he said it was the last time. Although when I I first... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to make a joke, but go ahead and say your line. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, I was all excited when I first saw the the announcement that he was going to be Freddy again, because I thought... You know, he talked about in the uh, Never Sleep Again documentary that he'd be interested in doing a sort of prequel where oh, you yeah. see Freddy most of the time as human. And while, for the most part, I couldn't care less about that sort of prequel origin story thing, Freddy is such a great character and Robert England is such a captivating actor that I would be completely okay with that. <laughs> totally. For sure. Cool, cool. Is, is that it for Killer News this, this episode? No, I, I, I was waiting. I thought we were... Oh. I was <laughs> trying to not step on anyone's lines again there. <laughs> oh, okay. No, he, I'm wanted, sorry. He, he was leaving it open for discussion, and everybody's like, crickets. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I didn't realize that I had completely killed your joke. I thought you were just going to say it after I was done yapping. Yeah, and, and the joke wasn't that good either. I can't even remember. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Completely like... I think I was going to talk about like Freddy mentoring the new Freddy Krueger in the remake or whatever, but you know. <laughs> well, last but not least, most important, obviously, it's Godzilla news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. King of the not, Monsters. Yeah, not only is Michael Doherty now directing the new movie as well as writing it with his uh, writing partner from Krampus and uh, Trick or Treat, Millie Bobby Brown, who is 11 in Stranger Things, is now set to star in it. Whoa. Sweet. Nice. Oh, okay. This is the last place that we should ever be talking about football, but you guys watch, did you guys watch the Super Bowl? We, you knew after he said, you know, Stranger Things, that this was going to happen right here. <laughs> I know, because that trailer. that was the highlight of the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. Hells yeah, it was. <laughs> that trailer was awesome. Oh, so exciting. Phenomenal. That, that like, totally made my night. I mean, I was so happy Atlanta was, like, putting a beat down on them freaking Patriots or whatever. You know, I was like, all right, beat Tom Brady to the ground, yes. And then, you know, they came back one. But thank you, Stranger Things 2. You made my life complete that night. Go Pats. So, oh, God. Uh, I mean, you guys yeah. know I'm from yeah. Massachusetts, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, we know. And, and that's why I'm, I'm sitting this out there, like, Man, congratulations. It was a great comeback, but it makes me think that the NFL is the WWE now because that was just too perfectly orchestrated, minus that catch by Edelman. But, you know. Hey, <laughs> you know, thank I appreciate that. But you, you guys are welcome to hate because, you know, we have five rings and you guys can have all the hate you want. <laughs> Tom, Brady, t- Tom Brady has been to more Super Bowls than some teams have even seen. <laughs> That's true. Okay, so aren't you glad you mentioned the yeah, Super Bowl yeah, now? Really, really <laughs> I wanted just wanted to talk about the Stranger String Two trailer. That's all I wanted. <laughs> hey, how say, about the Ghostbusters was... uniforms they were wearing? Holy shit! Yeah. Oh yeah, that was cool. It was and there was cool. a new character hidden back there too, if you look close enough. And we don't think it was L. We don't think it was uh, what's his name that was missing in the first season. It might be that new character, uh, the new girl character. So 
I'm excited. Hell yeah. It's a bummer we have to Terry wait till Williams. Halloween. Oh, well, I was just going to say it was pretty neat after uh, that aired how Halloween started trending everywhere. Like in February. It's amazing. Oh, God. I mean, it's trends for us all year round, but, you know, for other people. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you, you know what the most trending thing this Halloween's going to be this year, right? Scary Gary's wedding. Gosh damn, people. Come on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed it was Halloween and Palooza. Right. Uh, that's what I was oh, oh, yeah. My bad. I ruined your plug. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so was that it for Killer News? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> okay, so uh, uh, what's that? Well, I was just going to say, unless a, a shameless plug that I'm going to be uh, occasionally writing for the Badasses Boobs and Body Counts website. Oh, yeah. nice. News. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's Where can we find that? Good. Uh, BBandBCpodcast.com. Ooh. First review is up there now. It's for a uh, Godfrey Ho movie called Thunder of Gigantic Serpent. That sounds phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great, man. Because I know you've all, you've been a fan of that podcast, and and um, I know you you talk to you talk to Mike a lot. So that's great. Good deal. Congrats. Can't wait Thank to you. read it. All right. So trauma. So. Jason posed the question, what is Troma? Troma is probably one of the, if not the longest running independent film companies today. They've been doing it for 40 years. They're based out of New York. And their movies are not of the conformative, I guess you could say. Uh, they're, they're a bit out there. You know, the, the stuff that... Uh, President and uh, director of the in-house movies, Mr. Lloyd Kaufman. I pronounce it La Lloyd because there's two L's. And <laughs> uh, you know the films he makes are just full of like all kinds of you know boobs and blood and dick and fart jokes and a lot of times that's some of the stuff they kind of acquire too, or at least stuff that's not on the normal beaten path, I guess you could say. So, is that a good snaps there of what Troma is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it is the messiah of B-rated horror films, right there. I mean, they are the kings of hey, get out and make your own damn movie, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, when we starting off with this, I kind of want to. Uh, uh, talk with Paul a little bit about his film. So your your film, a uh, honky holocaust. Uh, you want to tell the the listeners a little bit about your movie? Uh, yeah, sure. Honky Holocaust is um, it's an anti racist exploitation film. Uh, I came up with it while I was taking a shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a, that's not. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome. The cinematographer and um, one of the co-producers and uh, and I were talking about making a feature after we've been working on shorts for a while, and we were watching this movie called um, Goodbye Uncle Tom, which is this uh, Italian exploitation film where, uh, among other things, it, it it shows a dramatization of Nat Turner murdering his all the white uh, slave owners and their families and babies. Uh, you know, when Nat Turner had his revolution. 
And so I was kind of thinking, oh, wouldn't it be cool to make a whole movie that's just like this one scene, like 90 minutes of <laughs> white people getting <laughs> slaughtered? <laughs> and um, so then I, I, had, I took a shit. And while I was uh, on, the, on the shitter, I was thinking to myself, how could I work that idea into a, you know, a formidable plot? And um, I thought of Charles Manson's uh, you know, philo- prophecy of Helter Skelter, where he thought he was going to start a race war. And so I was like, oh, what if I wrote a film, what if we did a film where that actually came true and, and this happened and that happened. So, you know, the end result is hunky holocaust. And um, honestly, throughout the entire movie, our our, our golden rule, and our, our, the gold standard was uh, a scene was considered to be complete when we decided that trauma would distribute a scene like that in a movie. Nice. Um, yeah, so so anytime we watch the scene to see if like you know, or well, is it done? Did we do it right? You know, do we need to change anything? If we could tell ourselves, you know, if we can convince ourselves that trauma would would make a scene like that, whichever scene that may be, then we were then we can move on. That was like our our uh, you know standard that we had to live up to each each scene we shot. That's outstanding. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a question. I unfortunately I've not had the opportunity to see the film but uh i mean i i read the imdb description and it talks about how like you know in a world where you know charles manson um his uh you know his vision comes to reality the whole helter skelter thing um and i watched the trailer for the film there's like one shot of charles manson does charles manson play a big part in the film or is that just a is that just the setup it's the setup. He, um, I mean, he he's a he's a character in the introduction, and then he's a character uh, in flashbacks, um, and he's a um, a reference point for the rest of the film. But no, honestly, it takes place, uh, you know, in modern day. I mean, we shot it in two thousand thirteen, I think two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. So it takes place, you know, around that time. Uh, but in, in an alternate universe where yeah. Charles Manson's prophecy came true, um, so it's actually the characters in it are Charles Manson's daughter, you know, a, not a not a real offspring of his, but you yeah. know, one that happened in the course of the alternate universe storyline, um, and then his successor. Like those are the two Charles Manson esque characters of the film. Okay, all right. Cool, and you talked about how you were shooting scenes with the thought of like, would this be something Troma would do? So was that always the, was that always the plan? Was that always the aspiration to get this film distributed by Troma? Um, no, not really. I mean, it was always, it was always one of many potential outcomes of of making this film. Um, and it was like, it was kind of like, uh, I mean, it was our first, it was our first feature, so we had no idea what to expect. We didn't know if if nobody would ever see it or if it would, you know, somehow become like a household name or if it would, you know, we had no idea, uh, what to expect. None, none whatsoever. We were still learning like, you know, what it even me- meant to make a feature film. We'd only done shorts and like dumb web series type stuff. And, um, so, but we did always, t- you know, that, that, that was the whole point of having that golden rule is that we knew that, Troma, you know, did pick up films, uh, and they pick up a lot of good films, and let's be honest, they pick up a lot of shitty films. So we knew that as long as what we were doing was in their realm, they'd probably pick it up. Um, so that was why, why we had that uh, 
that standard. And, and not and not to say that we were, you know, uh, settling for trauma status. Rather, that was like what we were aiming for. Like, all right, if we can make a really good film that it that looks like a trauma film, maybe they'll pick it up if nobody else will. And then if they do pick it up, well, that's like the best possible outcome because we all love trauma anyway. So it was kind of like. Uh, like our, our our fallback plan and also our goal at the same time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. How, how long did it take I you? Poster, awesome. What's that? The poster on IMBD is awesome. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Thank, which which? So there's three posters. I don't even know which one's on IMDb, but uh, it, the one that I'm looking at is like the guy crucified upside down with a swastika getting punched out. Oh yeah, that's that's the, that's my favorite one too. Um, I, I can't remember the kid's name that did that, but he's a he's a Boston native. It's awesome, dude. Yeah, thank you. Okay, um, and how long did it take you to shoot it? Um, let's see. We started shooting in July, August of one year. We finished in May the following year, so ten months, eleven months. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. Cool, cool. <clears throat> Shooting on the weekends primarily, um, pretty much just the weekends. And we took off a few months, more than once. Uh, we, we we shot based on what we could shoot. So we had our what we called our uh, outdoor wilderness um, segment of filming, and then we had our uh, outdoor urban, so like cityscape type stuff. When it got a little colder, but still warm enough to shoot outside, and then. The last step we shot was all the indoor stuff because it got cold. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Um, so, what was the uh, what was it like the um, the process of getting acquired by Troma? So, um, it's it's a, it's a long story, but I'll I'll make it quick. Um, when when Troma dis- uh, was was promoting Return to Newcomb High. Volume One. They did it at uh, a theater called the Coolidge Corner Theater in Boston. Well, it's in it's in Brookline, but that's basically Boston. Um, so I mean, so we went to uh, to see it with the hopes of recording Lloyd uh, screaming and stuff for the final scene in Honky Holocaust. Um, so we did. We we waited in line. I brought my audio recorder and um, our uh, cinematographer, the same one that I, I took a shit at his house and came up with the whole idea. Um, he was with me, but he was absolutely shit-faced. Uh, we, we had gone to a, a punk show earlier that night, and so he, his band was playing, and he was completely wrecked. Um, so we're waiting in line, and he's like mouthing off to Lloyd's wife, and you know, oh, he's, no. he's he's not being he's not intentionally rude, but he's he's drunk. You know what I mean? He's not trying to be yeah. a dick, but he's he's drunk. So I'm just trying to keep everything you know under wraps, like you know, Nick, 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 chill out, chill out. Uh, and then when we get to the end of the line, we had intentionally been last in line so that we could get him to do some screams and stuff and record them uh, without holding up the line. Yeah. So we get to Lloyd, and, and I'm trying to get the audio recorder going, and he said he would do it. He's like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, but it's like 2 in the morning, and I'm an old man. I need to go home and go to bed. Um, and meanwhile, Nick, uh, the cinematographer, is like shoving his phone in Lloyd's face like, Hey, watch the trailer to our movie. It's really cool. You'll like it, Lloyd. Just watch. And Lloyd's like, get the hell away from me, blah, blah, blah. And um, finally, just to get Nick uh, to get out of his face, he said, I'll tell you what. If you email me and you leave me alone right now, I'll film a video for your movie. So we did that. We took him up on it. And he did. He, he was a man of his word. He, he shot a video introduction for it. And that's what you see at the beginning of the movie. 
Uh, and through that, we kind of got to know his production team. And when we were just when we were shoot, uh, sending the film out to festivals, we sent a trauma dance. And the guy that was doing the festival programming saw the movie, kind of had heard of, of us be- through our connection with Lloyd, and then contacted me and said, hey, the movie's too long for... Uh, for the festival and you only have like one week to cut it down. So that's not going to happen. But if you can cut it down in like six months, then we'll release it for you. So I cut it down from like two hours to 95 minutes or something like that. Hmm. And then the rest is history. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. Okay. Thanks. So, um, so yeah, so congratulations. That's, that's, that's really, really cool. Um, thanks man. I'm a trauma fan as well, and I've always thought it would be pretty sweet to to have a movie put out by trauma. Um, yeah, they're really cool. They're fun to work with. Excellent. Uh, anything you're working on now, or? Um, yeah, we've done a few things. We did a uh, a punk a punk exploitation film um, called The Ungovernable Force, uh, and that's where I met Sam Hayes, who plays a character in that film. Um, and that's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray in April, so just a few more months. Uh, and then we did uh, a short film called, um, well, it's like a long short film. It's like 35, 40 minutes called Gay Jesus. And uh, just looking at that. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, you can watch that for free on Vimeo and YouTube. Um, nice. And Sa- Sam plays Judas in it. That's right. And Sam's Sam's hog is in it, too. Um, <laughs> Sold. And, <laughs> and um, and then we filmed another feature called The Streets Run Red, which is um, probably our most serious endeavor yet, but still very uh, exploitative. And, and, you know, it has a lot of trauma-esque scenes in it, but it's definitely our most serious um, endeavor so far. And that's a serial killer film. Um, and that, that, that should be really good. And that's, and that's still in post-production, but... It'll probably be hitting festivals around the end of this year, if it gets into any. I'm assuming, I'm hoping it will, but if it does, it'll be the end of this year. Cool, cool. Well, great, good, good deal. Okay, so, Thank you. Um, so yeah, so Troma, who wants to go first, Terry? What? <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. So like, I just gotta say, Terry, you want to know why you get picked a lot to be go to go first? Because with some of these topics and the films that I put on the list, I've just, I just am you dying with anticipation. You want to know what ones I go for? Yeah, I do. <laughs> what I've made you suffer through this time. Well, I will start by admitting that I haven't really seen very many trauma films. Uh, prior to studying up for this, I'd seen um, <clears throat> Toxic, <laughs> Toxic Adventure and... Uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD for some reason, and uh, <laughs> I think maybe a Return to Nukem High or something, something like that. But I, yeah, I don't know that much. So I tried uh, a couple different ones, and the one that I liked better personally was Terror Firmer. Ooh, yeah, nice. But I had a question. All right. Probably. Because I'm not sure, I might be out of the loop here. Now, I watched it on YouTube, and it said it was the R-rated version. Oh. Is there a not R-rated version? Like, 
They kept saying, like, oh, watch the director's cut for this stuff. I wasn't sure if it was just originally created that way to be funny or if that was an actual thing. That's a good question. I wish I had my uh, Terra Firma DVD in front of me right like now. It just, it just, like, cuts out a bunch of violence and sex and censors it and says, watch the director's cut. Oh, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely not like that. That that doesn't happen. Oh, in, well, in that's the, sad. Uh, other version. I thought it would have been hilarious if that was actually just what they were. They were just like doing it to <laughs> save money or something. Can you can you think of a moment that stands out where that happened? And I can see if I can fill in the blanks for you. Um, all over. <laughs> I don't. It happened a lot. Really. <laughs> Anytime there was like massive, supposed to be like something really gory or something super perverted. They just they cut it and it was like a weird. So you like, watched side like a twenty of, minute movie? Yeah, I was gonna say what was it like three minutes? <laughs> no, no, it, was like, it was like an hour and a half or so. But like, oh, oh it's four it hours just, when you watch the original. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just like these weird little inlets of Lloyd Kaufman like doing like a side gag to distract you from what was apparently going on on the screen. I thought they were doing it to be ironic. I thought it was hilarious, but. That makes me a little sad now. <laughs> I'm looking at my DVD now, and yeah, it says an hour or 114 minutes, so just about two hours on the director's cut version. Huh. Yeah, so it That's did cut some really on Netflix. Oh, is really? It is. Yeah, it's on oh. Netflix right now. Holy oh, shit. well, I should nice. watch that one. Well, according to the Trauma website, it says watch the movie, and it has a Netflix ad next to that movie, so I'm assuming it's on Netflix. Huh. Oh. I could be wrong. Well, that's that's kind of sad, but it was still fun. I mean, you get the gist of it. You sure. just don't see all of the guts, I guess. But. So you don't see you. So you don't get to see the the fat man's little tiny penis. Nope, nope. Did not get to see his. Oh my god, that's my favorite part. You missed the tiny cock. Oh my god. Well, damn. I was hoping that 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 was just what I came across on YouTube. I guess it was it's on, on the uh, you porn version. <laughs> yeah, you see how many guys got excited off penis? Now you definitely have to go watch it. So. <laughs> of course I'm but, excited I mean, to see that guy's penis. It makes me feel better about myself. But, I mean, it was still fun, even if I missed, you know, I'll have to watch the full version now. So um, what What was the, the ending like? Like that big reveal at the end? Oh, yeah. Of, of the guy's dad? Um... It like, didn't, was it? I mean, I don't like know what? what would have been cut, I guess. I mean, like, just well, watch I, the I'm, YouTube version, damn it. I'm just wondering if there was anything there at all, basically. Because, like, I. <laughs> yeah, I was with what's surprised his face? Because with Ron Jeremy. Yeah. Because I was kind of okay. surprised that I found that part genuinely disturbing. Like him <laughs> like, in the cage well, with, like, yeah. pieces cut off? Yeah, no, they yeah. showed all that. Okay. I don't, yeah, so I don't know what they, how they gauged what they could keep and what they couldn't. It's kind of weird, <laughs> but. Yeah, that, uh, is, that is extremely weird. Right. But I've always, you know, it's the whole meta thing. I love meta things, and it's a movie set on a movie set, so I was bound to like it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's probably one why it's one of my favorites out of their, out of all their movies, too, is because. Because of the whole meta thing, you know, it's a movie within a movie and all that, and um, you know, Lloyd Kaufman's 
in it uh, kind of the first time. He's kind of done it every time ever since, but basically doing a parody of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works in Terra Firmer. It doesn't get sold after Terra Firmer, but uh, <laughs> um, and the fact that he's blind, which is hilarious. He's a blind movie director. And yeah. Yeah, it's one of my faves as well. Well, I'll have to watch the full version, but you guys should watch the R-rated version just for shits and giggles, because <laughs> it's kind of hilarious, all the cutouts, and I don't know. I'll have to watch the other one. That's so weird. That is so weird. That sounds weird. <laughs> the only time I've ever seen Troma censor themselves was during Poultry Geist, when um, Joe, Fly- Joe Flyshaker's on the toilet, and he's shitting in the toilet, and it's... Mm-hmm the inside toilet cam and it's the fake ass and it's supposed to be turds coming out but they have little sensor bars over top of each turd that comes flying out so there's little black squares <laughs> yeah yeah um which is and it's really weird right that that it's in there like that and then when you go back and listen to the commentary track he talks about how like he had to work out a deal with his wife who was the uh, who's who at the time was the film commissioner for New York, um, she did not like that scene, and so he and so to to be able to keep keep filming, um, he had to he had to censor out the little turds coming out of the asshole. So, Man, talk about sleeping with the enemy, Jesus! <laughs> no shit, but you or, know, I don't with trauma and. I don't know if half of trauma movies would have gotten made if it wasn't for the fact that his wife is the New York film commissioner. So. <laughs> Anybody else have any thoughts on Terra Firmer? It's probably my second favorite of their movies. Like, by and large, movies that Troma themselves have made just kind of get on my nerves more than anything. Like, they're just trying way too hard. Anymore, but, for sure, yeah. But because of the that, not just the meta thing, but it's kind of a almost autobiographical because isn't it isn't terra firmer based on everything i need to know about filmmaking i learned from the toxic avenger yeah yeah it kind yes. of so it's basically about book. the experiences of what making a trauma movie is like and i think that personal connection to the material really made the movie kind of rise above their standard fare yeah yeah there is a lot of truth in that film as far as things like you know don't buy the large size styrofoam cups for coffee by the little cups, you know that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and, and then it's just fun because there's a slasher element involved in it, and people on the film set are dying. And, and the line about going home to watch Titanic again for the first time just cracks me up every <laughs> yeah. time I watch it. <laughs> the way he delivers that line is just amazing. I loved it. Yeah, I agree with Paul. What's that? <laughs> I agree with Paul. Thank you. Very clever. Thank you very much. Now, is it is it true? I think I remember hearing that uh, the scene where uh, is it Joe Flyshaker where he's running through New York naked? That's not Joe. Thing. That's a. It's another guy. It's another guy. Yeah. yeah. I always get the uh, the fat guys confused. <laughs> <laughs> they all they all look the same to Sam. Yeah. But any fattest. <laughs> But no, I, <laughs> I, didn't they shoot that with, like without permits or without the uh, 
legal. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, all the all the stuff in Times Square, they just ran outside and did it. You know, there's a really cool. Um, there's on the DVD set. There's a really cool documentary, which is just as long as the movie itself, called Farts of Darkness. <laughs> and it's all about the it's all about the making of Terry Firmer and they show those scenes those scenes where they're shooting out in Times Square and they're just kind of like everybody's just kind of being all kind of you know incognito you know the the naked guys all wrapped up in blankets and stuff and then all of a sudden it's go 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 and he goes running and he almost knocks over some old man when he's running down the street naked with the bandages wrapped around his head and it turns into an ordeal where like the guy the old man's like all pissed off and everything wanting to know what the hell's going on so yeah yeah all those Times square scenes were completely stolen no permits whatsoever nice with a naked is man it? running down the street yeah I, I know now in New York, it's at least legal to go topless if you're a woman. Is like full nudity legal now? I Let's wonder. go find out, Sam. Let's go find out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just, I didn't know about the topless thing, but it makes me want to visit New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. He, Sam's right. In um, Central Park, I don't know how prominent it is, but they, they, they have, you know big events where they take advantage of that that new law and everyone's just topless men too Whoa. oh wow yeah <laughs> look out now risque <laughs> <laughs> so brian you said terra firma was your second favorite what's your first tromeo and juliet fuck yeah that yeah, movie is a goddamn this- masterpiece right I was just going to mention that nobody said that anytime soon. We got to, we got to talk about Romeo and Juliet. Oh yeah, that oh. was one of those things where the first time I watched it again, uh, you know, late at night with a bunch of friends in high school watching movies all night long on a weekend, and it was just one of those rare moments watching movies where you didn't even realize you could make a movie like that yeah. <laughs> until you see it. And then it's just like, holy shit, this is genius. And then, of course, <laughs> the guy that made that goes on to get $200 million from Marvel to direct one of their most successful movies. Yeah, that exactly. blows my mind. I mean, when you when you see Tromeo yeah. and Juliet, doesn't that just make you think, you know, blockbuster action, um, you know, superhero movie? Yeah, well, it's got that amazing car jump stunt. I mean, That's come on. That's true. That's which, which is which is still stolen from um, Sergeant Kabuki Man. Yeah, oh, I, that was the joke. I I was oh, okay. hoping no one thought I was actually serious. <laughs> how many how many of their films do they use that? Because I mean, the two oh. that I watched this time, both literally, literally every movie after Sergeant Kabuki Man. That's amazing. Yeah, because yeah. I was and watching it's more popular it and I was than like, the Star Wars screen. When I watched the second film, I was like, wait. That looks familiar. I mean, I didn't remember it from Sergeant Kabuki Man because it had been a long time since I'd seen it, I guess. But I definitely put two and two together with that. It was hilarious. That's awesome. I mean, there's just there's nothing about that movie that isn't perfect. I mean, it's got Lemmy in it for you know item number one. That just yeah, you makes get the movie right there. The movie. Give it an Oscar but, now. 
so quotable. I'm going to go jerk off with my hand and swish it around in the punch bowl and meet you upstairs in five. Um, <laughs> and the fact that a big chunk of the dialogue is written in iambic pentameter. So when, uh, was it Murray? This guy, like the blonde spiky hair, his buddy, yeah. is it's like rattling off all these cuss words and insults at the guy. It's in the cadence of actual Shakespearean dialogue. Like, it's just... <laughs> God That's damn awesome. that movie is fucking that. brilliant. <laughs> Terry, did you watch that one? I did. It was oh. the other one I watched. Okay. What did you think? I did like it. I mean, I guess I've seen so many Romeo and Juliet spinoffs that I can't even count them. That anymore. you realize this is the best, the one only one you need. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yep. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was a lot of fun for sure. Uh, I kept it was funny to me. I know none of you guys probably watch uh, Gilmore Girls, but yeah, the the guy too quick, uh, the <laughs> annoying Sunny character with the weird blonde patches of hair on his head is one of the characters from that, and I was cracking up when I realized it oh was my him. God, really? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he's he's Sean Gunn's brother. Uh, he's Sean Gunn. He's uh, yeah, Sean Gunn. Oh, that's brother. right. Yes. So he's yeah. he's in all of the movies he does. So he's in uh, uh, he's in makes Guardians. Sense. I guess he one. is in Guardians too. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's in I forget he's a who rabbit he's or something, Slater. isn't he? Yeah, he's Yondu's yeah. like second in command. Captain's yeah. got to teach stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was interesting for sure, and that's not a bad interesting. It's just oh, okay. It was just I haven't seen a lot of of. Trauma stuff, as I've said, and so that was the first one I dove back into. I probably should have watched Terra Firmer. It's a little bit sillier, I guess, than this one. But sure, yeah. That's just amazing to show what kind of success you can get off from doing a trauma release movie or something like that as well. Because I mean, look at James Gunn now. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, two hundred million dollars was given to him to make a Marvel movie, you know? Yeah, and, and he put Lloyd in it. It, yep. And yeah, he had Lloyd. I remember that when I was watching the theater, you know, and like that. Holy shit! It sure is. It makes sense to get him in there, though. You know, I, I didn't put two and two together at the moment of time. I was geeking out on a solid Marvel movie. I'm like, holy shit! Wait a minute. Let's backtrack. Oh yeah, James Gunn. Duh. Well, that's <laughs> great that James Gunn doesn't forget his roots because he's no, had exactly. he's had Lloyd show up in everything that he's directed. He Lloyd was in Super. Lloyd had a scene that was cut out of Slither, but you could still see him in the background of a couple shots. Um, so it's pretty cool that uh, still gives the nod to... And then any time Lloyd needs something from James, James is willing to do like an interview or whatever. And So that's pretty cool. Was that James Gunn's first movie too as a, as a screenwriter? I th- think so. You're going to make me look now? Because I'm going to want to know. <laughs> I'm I on I've it. I've seen some like, behind-the-scenes thing, and like his script for that was like totally uh, uh, you know, not formatted correctly. He just didn't know exactly what he was doing. But It was his first script. When the script is that good, who gives a shit how it's formatted? Like, <laughs> he could have... He he could have handwritten it in crayon on a roll of fucking toilet paper. It wouldn't have mattered. The movie would still be amazing. 
dialogue that slapped Quentin Tarantino in his face right there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, and it's an interesting was an interesting move for trauma, I think, too. I mean, this was this was uh, probably I like to think of it as maybe the movie that kind of like revitalized trauma a little bit cuz after um after like the Toxic Avenger sequels and the Class of Nukem High sequels, um, which I believe were funded by some Japanese company, that's how those got made, and they weren't they weren't very successful and kind of ended that deal. And then he did um, uh, Troma's War, which didn't do much, and then Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD, and then things just kind of faded away for a while. I mean, it was like a six year gap between. Um, Sergeant Kabuki Man and Ter- and uh, Tromeo and Juliet, so um, and such a different course. This is like a complete course change. It feels like. Um, I mean, granted, the roots of what Troma is is still there, but comparatively, those those films are completely different. But I agree. It brought, it brought Troma back right there, totally, because everything started. It wasn't a Citizen Toxie released after this movie, I'm assuming, right? After yes. well, after Tromeo and Juliet was Terra Firmer, then Citizen Toxie, yeah, and then um, Poultry Geist. And the Poultry Geist, yeah. So it kind of like revamped it all back out. So it's so just... yeah, yeah. And he, and you know, say what you want about the later Troma films, but he's been able to. Um, get them made in a little more frequency than they they were back in the 90s so in the early 90s anyway jason uh Troma and juliet's one of your favorites i love it it is my favorite why is it why is it your favorite it's not just because debbie rashawn's in it i thought that was going to be the answer but oh. it, but it almost is <laughs> so cute she is <laughs> no, I'm just with Brian. It it was just like, well, then you'll love the ungovernable force because Debbie Rashawn is a hot Nazi in it. Yes, <laughs> she's so cool. Yeah, she is, and hot. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And a Nazi. And oh yeah. And so a Nazi. Nazi. Oh, wait. <laughs> but I also Wait just love the thought that like uh, weirdos that are renting Tromeo and Juliet are like being forced Shakespeare into their brain I yeah. love it yeah. it's like the perfect mix for someone who likes to read and likes trauma. They're not <laughs> usually the same person. So, <laughs> well, had it, I mean, there was not before it, and I don't think there ever will be after it a more subversive reworking of Shakespeare. Exactly. Yeah. I mean that that part of its brilliance is just in its sheer audacity. <laughs> yep. But the fact that it's so fucking good and so funny and so clever. Besides that, it's just. It's one of those perfect storms of, like, this should not work. This should be the most amateurish, stupid goddamn thing ever, but it's not. It's brilliant. Do you think there's uh, some, throughout the years, there was some high school student who um, was a trauma fan who 
for a book English book report. report God, I hope so. (laughs) Kind of wish this movie was out when I was in high school. I totally would have done that. Yeah, we need to push for the book to be written. Yeah, yeah. That'd be a good read right there. So, Sam, what's a trauma movie that really stands out to you? Um. Well, just before we move on, I was just <laughs> looking over at uh, oh, okay. my, co- <laughs> my copy Sorry, of... Sorry, real uh, discussion. <laughs> no, just Did he say his cock? What? <laughs> Did he say his cock? Oh, my God. Yep. My, my big cock. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Anyway, I was just reading <laughs> my 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 cock, I mean my copy of Make Your Own Damn Movie, autographed by Lloyd Kaufman himself. But he's just talking about the uh the importance of toilets on set. And he says, On Tromeo and Juliet, we shot in an abandoned building in New York New York City without any portageons. People were reduced to defecating into paper bags and tossing them out the window. Nice. So. Wow. <laughs> what a perfectly trauma thing to do. I'm amazed they didn't film it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, why do they film them, you know, taking shits in these bags, you know, and then, like, use it in the movie? That'd been awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah well, where was the art department snagging up those uh, lunch bags? Yeah, I'm about to say, who, who got those? those were, like, they probably did recycle them. them. <laughs> Souvenirs. No, they, they made jank them and huffed them. <laughs> they use them as fertilizer and planted a trauma garden. Oh my! Yeah, I've got that. I've got the book, the Make Your Own Damn Movie, and I've got all I learned about filmmaking. I learned from the Toxic Avenger, and then I also he also has another one. I got it here on the shelf. Where is it? Sell your own damn movie about trying to get your film distributed. What to do with your movie after it's been made. I read it and I still don't know what to do my with my movies after they're done. And he did some sweet... Uh, they also put out some sweet DVD box sets based off of those books where it's just like shit ton of amazing interviews and on the, on the set... Uh, like little docucam stuff. There's, I think it's on Make Your Own Damn Movie DVD set where the the there's like two or three discs of just Lloyd going to these all over the all over the world, uh, having bit parts in these no budget films. Just everybody coming to Lloyd to get him to be in in their movie, and he's got there's like one where he's in Russia shooting some short little horror film and and you know there's one where he is on the set of some like you know weirdo film i think it was in arizona with uh with also had uh mark brashad from american movie in it and that was hilarious so i would if you can find those sets those are really cool i'd check those out too so good stuff what was Sam's actual answer? I don't think he answered. <laughs> oh, um, he's never seen a trauma film before. <laughs> oh shit! Never ever. No, uh, since it's fresh in my mind, I'll just talk about a movie that I saw for the first time today, uh, Father's Day. Cool, cool. Put out by Astron oh, Six. 
Yeah, buddy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got. I was pretty impressed. I'd I'd seen the editor before that. Yeah, I love I that. Fucking love that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the editor is much more polished. But I I think I actually prefer Father's Day. Okay. Now I still haven't seen Father's Day. Um, how, try to talk me into watching it. It's uh. I mean, like, you know, like the editor, it's kind of like very much a pastiche of like sort of a genre films and it kind of mashes together different, you know, sort of horror exploitation subgenres. So it's it's just totally tonally very, very unique because it's, you know, on one hand, very comical, but also kind of serious and it. Sam, you're losing. Whoa, whoa, sorry, sorry. Don't stop there for a minute. Uh, it's made by Canadians, eh? Come on now. Those crazy eh? guys astronaut effects, you know. They, they... It, it, it includes uh, um, penis <laughs> mutilation, which was one of the, for someone that, you know, usually no kind of graphics in films make me nauseous or anything, but watching this guy slice his own penis was probably one of the hardest things I've ever seen, you know, pun intended. Um, in a film, I, li- I, I literally like, shit like, <laughs> uh, one of the only times I've ever actually like you know become queasy from seeing a, an effect in a film. Is it that particular one, or is it any penis mutilated scenes? No, it's it's that one. Like, oh, okay, uh, pen- no, no kind of gore automatically affects me, but the way that they did this one was I don't know what they did. That made it different, but it was uh, it was really tough to watch. Made you cringe instantly. Yeah, yeah. Well, big time. I mean, he's cutting his own erect dick with a fucking pocket knife. <laughs> it's yeah. just like slicing it up like a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely got Mike back on board. <laughs> so, I stepped back onto the headphones at a really weird point in that conversation. <laughs> oh, hey. Penis slicing, eh? Ugh. Um... Yeah, I mean it's it's a hard film to describe because yeah, it's I I'm you know, I'm not even sure if the plot does make sense in a logical kind of way. It just <laughs> it's I almost kind of compare it to like, you know, if you've seen David Lynch's Inland Empire, it's just kind of like it's almost kind of more of a dream logic. It's not like a real logic, it's just like Sam, go back to the dick cutting. <laughs> Because you know it's like it's like a serial killer movie about a guy that you know rapes dads, but then it you know by the second half it turns into like this demon movie. So it was just kind of a weird but cool sort of uh, you know mashing together of different elements. A guy that's raping your dad. There you go. A-plus movie right there. Lock your dads up, everybody. It's got dad rape, <laughs> penis cutting. How have you not seen this, Mike? Um, I don't know. It's got some, some hot incest. and. <laughs> some... <laughs> see, there we go. It there does. Go. It, it does have some hot incest. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, another impressive thing I thought was, like, kind of the stunts in this movie. There's, like, a car chase scene where... I'm not sure. I think it's. It looks like the actual actors are like doing the stunts. I'm not sure if anyone can verify that, but 
it was pretty impressive. You know, they're just like jumping from like car to car down this gravel road, and then there's like another scene where they're up on this little sort of catwalk high up. And, they're all uh, stunt people. They're all Canadians. They all look alike. With their beady eyes and flapping heads, I'm sorry. Forgive me, astronauts. <laughs> right. You guys hear the podcast some chance. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a great movie though. I don't know what else to say about it. It it it, it is definitely worth watching. It's yeah. It's not it's not perfect, but it's it's really really good. It's yeah. a fun watch. And it's a movie that'll grow on you as well. Like you'll watch it and you'll be like, okay, I'm kind of bored with it. But as you wa- if you watch it again and again and be like, okay, I get. It's kind of like I don't know, like The Big Lebowski. You know, first time I saw that movie, I was like, oh, this sucks. But now I love The Big Lebowski. It's like one of the best fucking movies ever. You know, so Father's Father's Day could possibly be that movie for you, Mike. Well, it's not like I've always wanted to see it, and every time I hear anything about it, it totally sounds like it's up my alley. I just have never been able to get my hands on it, so. It's uh, I think it's on Shutter right now. Yeah, no shit, it is, is it really? Oh well, there we go. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> in podcast, hey, see you later. I'm insane, Mike. <laughs> okay, so um, so Jason, what's another trauma movie to talk about? Well, I know the one I want to talk about, but I haven't seen it in so long. I don't remember it well, oh. but. Uh, it's That's not what I thought you were gonna say. Well, it's my oh, there's that one we watched. Do last we want to go down the dark side of trauma? I don't know. You should go to the dark side. Well, okay. <laughs> I'll save. Uncle. I'll save. Ta- I'll save talking about teenage cat girls in heat, <laughs> which is one of my favorites. But yeah, I thought you were gonna say hashtag. Oh no. <laughs> I have that one, and I still have never watched it just because I can't get past the title. <laughs> Bag hag? Yep. <laughs> yep. But uh, last night, Mike rewatched with me my first time of watching Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1. Ooh. Has anyone, el- has anyone else seen it? What is this Return to oh, Newcomb yeah. High movie? I've never heard of this before. Explain. Negative. Negative. <laughs> the new, yeah, it's the new one, right? It's the yeah. new one, yeah. And yeah, yeah. What they, well, they, yeah. And and then in typical Lloyd fashion, you know, rips off, uh, you know, Kill Bill and decides to release the movie in two in two chapters. There's Volume One and Volume Two, and it's called Volume One and Volume Two. Volume yeah. Two is still not out, but it's it's getting a limited theatrical release right now. Um, so hopefully we'll be for that for so long. What's that? Forever. pushing for that for forever yeah i mean that's yeah. where you see all those campaigns save nukem high or whatever you know people randomly taking pictures I'm, it 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 it'll come out don't worry so, oh yeah but uh and then part one came has been out now for a few years and i bought it instantly at walmart of all places you would never what? think you'd see but see the thing is it was produced and distributed by Anchor Bay, so that's why it got into a Walmart. Weird. Yeah, very weird to find a trauma movie in a Walmart, but it's an Anchor. It's an Anchor Bay release, and Lloyd. I, um, yeah. 
Lloyd Kaufman actually gave me the copy I, I own. Nice. Yeah, it was the first time we filmed with him. He said, "Hey, are you Paul?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Here you go." He handed me uh, "Class of Newcom High" and "Return to Newcom High" on Blu-ray. Wow. Oh, on Blu-ray. Did he spit nice. on him too. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, so Jason, yeah, tell tell everybody on how we feel about "Return to Newcom High." Well, I mean, I I love the original. Class Newcomb High, it was the first trauma film I ever saw, and I have super fond memories of that movie. Oh, yeah. Still great. Still love it. Yeah. and That's my first one, too, actually, Jason. Nice. I knew you were yeah. cool. Cinemax, late at night, bro. Yep. And <laughs> we were with another friend this weekend, Justin Beam, you know from the show, and he was going on about how much he liked Volume 1, and Mike instantly makes that face he makes like uh, are you sure <laughs> and they decided that mike needed to rewatch it and i hadn't seen it yet so we watched it last night and i'm so torn there's uh, ultimately i think it's n- not as bad as the last couple and yeah it's de- it well, feels okay. like a step in the right direction back towards good classic trauma but there's still so much turd going on no pun intended i i'm gonna state for the record that citizen toxie is my my least favorite trauma movie of all time i can't stand that movie poultry geist is slightly above that and then and then as far as return to nukem high volume one i'm not sure exactly where that goes uh in, in in between those three, but uh, just not been a fan of the movies that they've done ever since. Like Terra Firma is literally the last last one for me. It's been all downhill since then. That was yeah, depressing. I, <laughs> I watched Poultry Guys <laughs> last night. Last night, yeah. I tried to watch it when it first. Short around the time it first came out, maybe a year after I got the DVD from Netflix. I think I got 20 minutes into it before I shut it off and gave up. Yeah. And I don't do that. Ever. I mean, I watch some shit. <laughs> I don't give up very often. But that was just, you know, like I was talking about earlier, that is the epitome of trying too hard. And just and so I, I plowed through the whole thing last night, and I got a few chuckles out of it. But, yeah, by the end of it, I was ready for it to be over. Mm-hmm. So, so what you're saying is I don't need to bother with any of the Toxic Avengers sequels or the new Nukem High. Well, if we want to get into it, like I, yes. I, I have a soft spot for at least Toxic Avenger Part Two. I still really like Part yep. Two a lot, even though it still pales in comparison to the first movie. Okay, and see, I'm gonna interrupt you right there and say something you're not gonna like me for because oh, I do that almost every episode. I don't fine. like the first one. Oh wow! Holy shit! I, I could okay. barely make it through that. <laughs> so. Oh wow! Interesting. Interesting. Well, what, do you like the original Newcom High? Again, it's been a long time since I've okay. seen it. I remember not hating it and just kind of thinking it was okay, but it didn't really. Nothing stuck with me except for the cool monster at the end. But I mean, it's another one I want to pot. give it. Hmm? Radioactive pot, bro! Come on now. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> 
it's another one that I want to give another chance to because I haven't seen it in probably 15 years. But, um, yeah, I don't know. So, like, that that whole my feeling that they try too hard thing does not just come from the the most recent, you know, like the last decade of their movies. Like I said, when I watched Toxic Avenger, I was just like, can we not, please? Huh, now, in Toxic Avenger, you get tired of hearing that song on a loop, though, probably at the same time. That could have been part of it, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that hear your body talk, body talk. <laughs> Whatever they say. <laughs> uh, I, I'll be honest. Um, uh, Toxic Avenger, Tromeo uh, and Juliet, Terra Firmer, those ones are all like in a league of their own. Yeah. Um, as far as like the, the, the current generation of trauma films, I thought Poultrygeist was by far bottom of the barrel. Um, but everything else is has some merit to it, um, you know, in, to varying degrees. I liked Volume One, uh, Return to Nukemai. I, I, I hate CGI, um, and it had a little CGI, so that oh, was really yeah. the what really like bugged me. But aside from that, uh, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I, I like all the Toxic Avenger uh, sequels i mean they don't even come close to the original in my opinion yeah uh same with the nukem high sequels but um yeah i the only trauma made film that i don't i really don't like is poltergeist uh the rest are are in very from varying degrees of you know decent to fantastic and that's, i mean that's just that's just going for uh i know one of you guys wasn't sure if you should see the newer films based on the fact that you didn't like Poultrygeist, and I will say, don't... I wouldn't base all their other right. newer films on Poultrygeist. So, but... Well, for me, okay, so... You don't... You didn't like Poultrygeist, but you still liked Citizen Toxie? I mean, I didn't love Citizen Toxie, uh-huh. but yeah, I did like it. I mean... Okay. It, it is what... It, I mean, it, and honestly, it might be because it's a Toxic Avenger, you know... Um, uh, sure. Totally self-aware, poorly done, kind of like goofy as fans, hell. You know? <laughs> What's that? It's kind of like a tribute to the fans. You know, it gave the fans what they wanted. They just wanted to be a self-aware. Here's Toxie. Let's make a horrible fucking movie. And- exactly. Yeah. And honestly, like you know, I was I I would watch it and and I would know that I was watching you know a half a star rated film. Um, <laughs> and, but but I, at least I could relate to it. Whereas Poultrygeist. Is probably that has the same value of filmmaking, but I can't relate to it because it's got no frame of reference. It's a whole new story. Okay. It's a musical. Um, I mean, there was some stuff in it that they could have done a really good job with if it wasn't surrounded by everything else in it. But, that's, um, and that's the most frustrating thing for me uh, in in all of these like last few pictures: uh, Citizen Toxie, Poultrygeist, uh, Return to Newcomb High Volume One. It feels like. It's there. The the groundwork is there. But Lloyd and those involved just fuck it up so much that it just it's aggravating and I hate it. That there's so that you see potential. Yeah. And they just kind of squander. Well, because because getting back to Return of Nukem High Volume One, there's things I really like about that movie. Yeah. Um now it's obvious it's blatantly him retelling the same story as the first movie. And, yeah. um, but there's, there's like little things like the Cretans this time around, you know, 
in the original movie, there's a throwaway joke. It's just a one-line joke, and it's never referenced again that the Cretans used to be the Glee Club. Well, in this one, they show the Cretans as the Glee Club and then becoming the Cretans. I love that idea. But it just goes from like, okay, we got the Glee Club, now we got the Cretans in such a... There's like no development in that whatsoever um, for me to give a shit about these Cretan characters at all. And in the Cretans in the original movie felt like... I mean, granted, they were, you know, punks and drug dealers and... And but it still felt like they had more of a motivation than these Cretans do. Like what what is the point of these Cretans in Return to Newcomb High at all? What is what is their purpose in this movie, you know, except for maybe having some form of protagonist? But you you can't label them protagonists when there's when there's no motivation for anything that they're doing. And it's a bummer because I like the look of these new Cretans. Um, I think there's potential in the actors of those new Cretans, but I also think that the direction that they're given as actors is way too far over the top. I also really like the two female leads in Return of Newcomb High, not just because they're hot, not just because they have a super hot uh, naked sex scene, which was awesome. <laughs> um, but Wait, I, just, I thought it was a clothed sex scene. A clothed That's- sex scene? That's the yeah, version said it was Terry a naked saw. sex scene. I thought it was a clothed sex oh. scene. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, but uh, I really like those two girls. I think they're the best actors in the whole entire movie. And I think that uh, I like the idea of, okay, in the original film, it was your typical you know, boy and girl love story. But this time... You know, it's the same, you know, again, it's the same story, but this time it's two women who fall in love with each other. And and unlike every other trauma movie, it's not thrown in our face and it's not an obnoxious joke or highly exploitive that they just happen to be two women. It just happens to be a, rela- a lesbian relationship. They're not running around wearing shirts that say clam on the front of them, like in Poultrygeist, you know. It's... For trauma, quote unquote, it's subtle. It's subtler, you know. Yeah, very true. Um, and I appreciate. I really appreciate that. The thing is, it's like it could have still been done better, because you have them hating each other in in the beginning of the movie, and then falling in love with each other. And I just think, wow, how how great that would be for like a trauma movie to develop a relationship between two characters, but. It's trauma, so we just go straight from, like, they hate each other, one of them gets a duck stuck in her mouth, and now they are in love with each other and having hot sex on a bed. That sounds great. Don't get me started on a fucking duck stuck in her mouth. I must say, no. better duck. That fucking scene pisses me off to no end. Affleck! Oh my god. Affleck! <laughs> At least it lasts forever. That's the problem with it. It could have been a funny moment. Again, there's a lot of, it could have done this, it could have been that, but it could have been a funny moment if it wasn't for the fact it was like a five, ten minute scene of her running around with a duck stuck in her mouth trying to find somebody to help her. And it also is very apparent, the whole point of that montage scene is just to highlight all of Lloyd's new celebrity, minor celebrity friends that he can shoehorn into the film. Did you know that the that the majority 
uh, I don't know if it was actually the majority of the budget, but the biggest budget item um, in that in that film was the uh, duck handler. <laughs> really? Yeah, the duck. The duck oh put God. that. Uh, the duck and its like handler and whatever the hell comes with the duck um, put the movie way higher. You know, way over budget uh, or way at a way higher budget than it would have without the duck. Um, yeah. <laughs> So there's that. I don't know why they felt the need to have a duck in the film at all, but uh, yeah. Well, it's it's a, it's a kooky enough little thing that I think is is a nice. It's a nice. It, it's a cool kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's it's like here's a little oddity about this particular character, and that is kind of a mark of trauma right there. True. But much like everything else in the film, it's just highly underdeveloped. So. I'm going, I'm on my soapbox, so anybody can step in at any time. <laughs> don't don't quote me on this, um, but I believe that the duck was like five thousand dollars or something like that, um, just for like the two or three days that they had it. Jesus, that's half yeah. the budget of the film, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I was talking to one of the guys that was in it, um, and he he was he was a little drunk, so he was. Give me, I think, more information than he should have been, and um, he was saying, he was saying, yeah. I was like, so, what, so what's up with the second one? I said, what's going on with it? He goes, oh, the budget. We we need more money for the budget, and it somehow turned into him explaining to me that the duck put them over budget or something like that. <laughs> I know a few people that that took part in that the production of that movie, and they keep saying it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The second one. Uh, you do you guys know Liam Reagan? Mm-mm. He made the movie Banjo. We, just, we screened that at Slaughter Movie House not too long ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, I know that film. The Banjo movie, yeah. Is that the one yeah. with the weird imaginary friend or something? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. That was that, they like played that at Trauma Dance. Fred. Yeah, exactly. He okay. has a lot of Trauma Fred's to it. You know, he's a, Liam's a big, you know, he's a, he's a pretty good friend with Lloyd, I guess, you know, and uh, I, it, it didn't get distributed by Trauma. It got picked up by somebody else, I believe, but uh, yeah, like he has like a lot of Tromeo Juliet references and Troma this and that all over the place. But he had a spot in that movie. And then I think my friend here in town, well, Topeka, Kansas, Blade Braxton, I believe he had a part in that movie as well. I have to double check. But uh, yeah, so many, so many little roles in that movie. Everybody's like, oh, we got to stay, you know, class of Newcomb High. I, I, I only saw bits and pieces of Banjo, but because um, I, I went to Troma Dance this past year. And yeah. um, and and they were playing it there, and I uh, I was I was in and out all day, uh, and I I got to see like the I don't know the last half hour of Banjo or something, and from what I saw, that is that is a hell of a good movie. Dude, he did a it really good. really good job with it. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's well worth a watch. Um, it it, 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 it it's, was it's really worth fun. a buy when it finally comes out. You know, I mean, it's anybody should have that in their in their movie collection. It's it's a solid movie. You know, I mean, he spent all of his freaking money on it, though. Of course, it's like. He took the Kevin Smith, you know, uh, advice and go and max out all your credit cards and everything yeah. like that to, to get a budget wow. for a movie so you can make the movie you want. But of course, you know, he do that and sometimes shit happens. You spend a lot of money on a movie and then it takes a while for it to actually get distributed and put out, you know. So and, and you die of starvation while you're waiting. <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty sure he's living off of a Kansas tuna fish or whatever over yep. in London right now. Yeah, totes. It's a good movie. If you get a chance to watch it, check it out. All the way. Through. I definitely will. It looks really, really good. 
Yeah, yeah. it's not. It, it feels like a charm of the movie when you watch it as well. Oh, it truly, it truly does. Yeah, it yeah. was a, uh, it was a Halloween at Palooza submission a couple of years ago as well. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> cool. Well, what else do you have to say about uh, Return to Newcom High, Jason? You kind of started it, and then I just well, went I mean, off on my tangent. <laughs> I, uh, we also were saying how it it actually looks. It was filmed probably oh, better yeah. than any in a long time. Yeah, probably ever. You know, it shot really, really well. Much better film stock and whatever, whatever they shot it on. But it, uh, the film <coughs> quality looks really, really good. Yeah, I mean, it just, uh, there, so there were lots of things I liked, but I just, just the, the film making or the storytelling or the editing, maybe it feels like it was. They're trying too hard? Not as bad as Poultry Guys, but I feel like, like, oh, maybe we thought it was just being constantly rewritten. And so you have to also be constantly re-editing it. So it's yeah. just a choppy, kind of sloppy mess in the execution of the story and the scenes themselves. And you're just like, the consistency of the of it all was still lacking. But I still ultimately thought it was a step back towards better trauma. Because Poultry Guys... Definitely left a bad taste. Would you say it left a foul taste? Yes, foul (laughs) taste. Oh my god! You don't like the taste of cock? Oh my god! (laughs) 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 Thank you. Here's a question, and apologies if it got mentioned earlier and I spaced off and missed it. But are they still shooting on film? Because Poultrygeist didn't look like digital video artifacted artificially to look like a grindhouse movie it looked like they actually shot it on like maybe 16 millimeter like crummy old film stock yeah i'm not 100 percent about return to newcomb high but i'm i mean well you said there was cgi in that one so i'm guessing that was probably done digitally just because that's so much easier to do you know editing wise with digital stuff but yeah i i think i think it was I think it is shot um, digitally, but I'm not 100% sure. On Return of Newcomb High? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think it is, but I could be wrong. But I think it is. And I, But I'm pretty sure all the way up to, and maybe including Poltergeist, he was still shooting on film. Yeah, it could be. Because like, that was like, what, 2006? I feel like film was still kind of dominant then. But like... Well, and he's more. It seems like the last ten years that digital is really. He's an older school filmmaker who is pretty set in his ways. So he's gonna. He's one of those guys that's not gonna. That was gonna be one of the last to let go of of film. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, again, like I own Poultry Geist. I own Citizen Toxie. They're two of my least favorite trauma movies, but they also have feature length documentaries on each of them that make make it worthwhile of actually owning those movies and and i know there's moments in those where there is the argument or the the younger generation arguing with lloyd about shooting um digital versus film 
Yep. I think a prescribed film should shoot a movie on film film. 35 millimeter. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to edit all that, Jason? Nope. I've... I think you should do one completely with an ancient Aeroflex camera shot on uh, the the end strips, like the scraps of film like Andy Milligan used to do. Yeah, on, uh, on short ends, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Um, yeah. I've never been one of those guys, like, I, I have a lot of filmmaker friends over the years that just feel like one day they need to shoot on film and so i purposely take the opposite of like i don't f- ever feel the need to shoot on film what's i don't see the i don't see the point i don't see the point they're hipsters Just, yeah it's, it's kind of a hipsterish <laughs> thing right and no i'm not gonna do it forget it um you know what i want to do jason hasn't even heard this revelation yet Whoa. but i want to shoot a movie again on vhs that's what i want to do Hell yeah. Like back in the old high school days. Oh my there you god. Go. <laughs> you want to talk about a visual style. <clears throat> Not saying it's good, but it would be a visual style. There's plugins for that now. Come on. <laughs> it, it can no, be a good be visual style, though. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Look at uh, Cannibal Campout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look Ooh. at it. <laughs> or, or or we could cite a trauma movie. I'll bring one up. Oh, I, you, yep. <laughs> I, I was going to say the exact same thing. I guarantee it. Go ahead. Redneck zombies. Yep. <laughs> oh, what, do you like redneck zombies, Brian? Oh, fuck yes. Yes, good. <laughs> Me too. I fucking love redneck zombies. And part of why I love redneck zombies, and not all of it, the movie itself is is awesome. But I, what I love about it is that it's shot on video. It gives it that weird charm to it. It's, you know, at, at the time it was just, this, you know, it was the digital video of the time. It was yeah. cheap. But yep. it definitely, like you said earlier, it, it has a very specific look. It's a very specific aesthetic. And you can make it work. And in that movie, I think it works. And that uh, the the really bad picture quality makes it very unearthly at times oh yeah, uh-huh. like yeah it that, makes it grosser movie... to watch exactly you want to vomit watching it just because that picture quality there with the, the gut, gut scenes and stuff like that the chomping yeah like the, and it's a great <laughs> blend of the, the 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 truly horrific horror parts i mean yeah it's made for a buck 85 but you can't <laughs> tell when the picture's that fuzzy it makes it look a lot better and the movie's a great blend of horror and humor, and the the funny parts are almost all genuinely, truly funny. Oh yeah, and and like I said, a lot of the horror parts are kind of stomach churning and upsetting, just because it's got that sort of <laughs> otherworldly, last known footage of everyone involved kind of vibe to it. Yep, yep, exactly. And I will say though, too, as far as and. I wonder your thoughts on this, Brian, because I know you've seen uh, many of shot on VHS style films. Um, on a technical side, I really think Redneck Zombies stands above in the amongst those type of films. Yeah, it definitely does. It's it's very well shot. It's it, it looks like it was edited by someone who actually knew how to edit a movie. <laughs> There's that. 
Yeah, the editing is way better than about 90% of the shot on VHS movies back in the day. And the biggest thing for me is the audio quality. Because if you go back and watch, you know, films like Splatter Farm or Cannibal Campout or Woodchipper Massacre, you know, you get that like VHS hiss in the background. That's not in this movie. They did they 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 did a really good job with the audio on on, on Redneck Zombies, as yeah, well as the all, editing and everything. So, all all the dialogue is is clear. Like you yeah. can understand what people are saying. It never gets that weird like muddy garbled effect to it not effect like it's not something that people did on purpose but a lot of those movies just did all kind of blurs together the sound is terrible and there was no level balancing or anything but it i i almost wonder if they did some adr on that movie i i really think they did too they had to have for some of that stuff for sure especially a lot of the outside stuff i mean even if you hooked up externals to a vhs camera you're still going to get some weird noise or um it's not going to be as as um um as direct as you would probably want it to be so but if that's the case that makes it even more impressive because if they did indeed do that it syncs perfectly oh yeah it never it never looks like it's dubbed so if they really did do adr on that movie my fucking hats off to those actors and their mm-hmm. sound guy yeah <laughs> for sure oh so good i could talk redneck zombies with somebody <laughs> when did that come out uh 89 is when it originally came out oh really yeah what do you what do you think the likelihood the director's real name is Pericles Loons? <laughs> oh, probably not. Now, here's the thing, like, on IMDb, and I've also seen it, uh, um, I remember seeing it somewhere else where, like, Redneck Zombies is, like, advertised as being one of the first shot on VHS movies ever to be done. But again, oh, it... I- it, yeah, that can't it, be true because it's not. Sledgehammer beat it by like three years, didn't they? Well, most of them beat them, beat it because like Redneck Zombies came out in '89. Um, mm. Woodchipper Mass. I was thinking it was '87 for some reason, but yeah, okay. Oh, so they beat it even longer than that. Yeah, no, it is '87. Okay, five 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 was five 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 was '87. Um, I think uh, Video Violence uh, was '87 or '88. And so it was like Woodchipper Massacre and Cannibal Cannibal Camp Out. So yeah, it's it seems like it's one of the later ones. So I don't know why Choma ever tried to lay claim that it was like one of the first. I don't know. Well, on Choma's Just, website, they have it at eighty-seven, actually. Oh, Redneck Zombies. Yeah, they got on, on the actual yeah, Choma website. I thought website, it was. I oh. just pulled that up just now. Uh, yeah, nineteen eighty-seven. IMDb said uh, uh, eighty-nine. Well, that could guys. have been the initial release date. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I can find copyright on my uh, DVD. No, yeah, just... this is some deep shit now, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. But it's. Regardless, of what, I mean, it still wasn't the first. There's no way. So. But also, interesting fact that I did learn from reading the IMDb trivia is that. Um, that uh, Redneck Zombies was an answer to a Trivial Pursuit question, the 90s edition. <laughs> wow. I know, right? <laughs> you know you've made been... it. 
hardest Trivial Pursuit question ever, or that movie used to be a lot more famous than any of us give it credit for, because (laughs) I cannot imagine sitting around playing Trivial Pursuit with your family at Thanksgiving and anyone having a chance of answering that question, right? Uh, What's the question, though, for the game? uh, Yeah, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to pull it back up here. Yeah, what is the question Like that says, oh, that's Redneck Zombies all the way. Uh, Probably something about moonshine and toxic barrels because then they like drink fucking the. Yeah. They find yeah. that barrel. They thought it was moonshine. Yeah. Well, no, they 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 didn't think the barrel was moonshine. They uh, they the, the, the barrel falls off the back of an army jeep that's supposed to be delivering it to some sort of uh, disposal site. Right. And this fat old redneck, or he's not old, I guess, this fat redneck named Ferd Mertz, who is yeah. hilarious, <laughs> finds it, and he's going to take it home, and this sort of uh, rival moonshiner family stops him, and they're going to like shake him down for money or something. So he gives him that barrel instead as a brand new still. And so they, they go to dump some of the the toxic waste out of it so they can clean it out and use it as a still and it gets in their corn mash ah. that they're going to use to make the moonshine and so it infects them or it uh, contaminates I knew, the moonshine. I knew there was something to do with moonshine with it though. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the question was what film has the tagline they're to tobacco chewing, gut chomping, cannibal folk from hell? That was the question yeah. that was used to Trivial Pursuit. Was that movie really that widely distributed that people would know the tagline yeah i would say yeah that's the tagline on the movie poster right there well that's what i mean like i I suppose that that was at the time when you know video stores were just eating up anything that came out on video just so they had stuff on the shelf so maybe it really was that prevalent across the country but I, I mean that that almost suggests that, that being that popular to make that well, that's game. what I mean. Like yeah. that that suggests that it was almost some sort of minor national phenomenon at one point, <laughs> which which fucking blows my mind. But yeah, I, I had there are people that can't since, tell you what the movie The Nest is, you know, and that fairly <laughs> okay. But yeah, I hadn't actually seen it since uh, probably since I was in high school, and then I just rewatched it this weekend. Uh, for the show and watch it again. It's like, why have I not watched this for so long? It's so fucking good. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I didn't get a chance to rewatch mine, but I have it sitting here, so I may have to do that sometime this week. And one of my favorite parts of the movie, who doesn't have much to do with the movie, but is such a weird character, the Tobacco Man. Yeah. It's so Dude, out of... The- bag over his head with this like deep guttural devil voice effect who sells tobacco like an ice cream like he you know he sits in his truck and clangs this iron cooking pot and it's like the ice cream truck playing that little jingle you know all the hillbillies come running to get their tobacco yeah and and then he gives him this spiel about like oh i've got you hooked now you know you keep dipping and pretty soon your mouth will start hurting and your teeth will fall out, and you'll go to one of those big city doctors, and they'll take your entire jaw off, but you'll want to still have that sweet tobacco. And it's so <laughs> fucking weird. It is. It's so weird. I want some tobacco now. Shit. <laughs> well, that, 
that's how good his sales pitch is. That you know. I mean, right? Damn. <laughs> Give me some chow. Oh, uh, uh, my night's complete. We talked about redneck zombies, so rest is on you guys. Uh, Gary, uh, what's Yo. a what's a uh, another trauma film we should talk about? Let's not talk about trauma film. Let's talk about how we're going to go back to the Toxic Avenger for a minute. Talk about how a movie that is so offensive. I mean, there's kids getting murdered in that movie for yeah. fun. All yeah. the crazy shit that goes on in that movie to be created into a Saturday morning cartoon, The Toxic of Crusaders. Come oh, the fuck yeah. on, guys. How Are the you... hell does that happen right there? Dude, that, How? that cartoon had a toy line that was carried in fucking, like, Kmarts and Targets and shit. And, uh, exactly. You have all your kids playing with this amazing, toxic-created freaking guy, you know, from a movie where, like, like I said, children murder. I mean, when you see a kid's head get ran over in a car, it'll be like, holy fucking shit, you know. Well, but hey, didn't, didn't the ahead. cartoon and the toy line come out around the time of like maybe the third or even fourth movie? Well, it was probably about like, time not of the, the fourth, third. but it was around the time of two and three because two and three two were and three definitely. two and three were um, produced by by um, he got some he got some money from the Japanese to make two and three. He had some kind of agreement, and I, and it may have been part of that, the whole cartoon thing. So like two, well, they're and th- still just as offensive though. At oh the yeah, same time. I mean two and three is definitely watered down from one, but there's still there's still nudity in it. There's still gore in it. There's still like Toxic Avenger goes and sees the psychiatrist who pra- practically dry humps him right there on the couch in part two. Exactly. So, you know so. Um, there's still the a lot 362 of... 360 to a Saturday morning cartoon is like, what the fuck? I know, it's so but weird. I, so weird. I can, I can, but if you take those elements out, if you take out the nudity and the bloodshed, it's a very child-friendly character. Like, oh, absolutely. He's a, goof, he's a goofy-looking superhero. He beats people with a mop. It's funny. That's totally Saturday yeah. morning cartoon fire. Jersey's first and, superhero, exactly. Yeah, and at the exact same time, or around the same time, you've got toy lines based on Aliens, Predator, and the Terminator. Yeah, I mean the All late eighties properties. So the late eighties, early nineties, man. There was like the Robocop cartoon. Yeah, I forgot. Tales from the Crypt that. had a cartoon. What's yeah. that? Tales from the Crypt had a cartoon. What yeah. Tales from the Crypt? Right. Man, man, I forgot. So many horror cartoons that were so good. Yes. Exactly. So it's Attack like of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I'm a huge Killer Tomatoes fan. But so that, that the, cartoon there, like, yeah. Those Predator and Alien toys were actually going to be the marketing arm of a cartoon show. And the show got canceled at the last minute, but they already had all the molds and everything set up for the manufacture of the toys. You're like, well, we already invested all this money. We might as well make the toys. Yeah. And so many shows start off that way. You know, they make a toy line first when they're, they had the idea of a cartoon. I mean, that's kind of where, like, Ninja Turtles came from, you know, they said, well, we can make this toy line. Now, let's do the cartoon, and then we'll just continue to put out these fucking toys and shit, you know? Cause, did I mean, Mighty Max obviously. do that? Yeah, Mighty Max did the same thing, exactly. It was a toy line first, turned into a, a cartoon. Transformers. Transformers. Start, started out as several different toy lines that wound up merging into one. Yep. Uh, Which, if you guys want yeah. Be they are more than meets the eyes. Comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> G.I. Joe is that way, too. Like, the majority of, yeah. of your classic 80s cartoons 
started off as a toy line first. Yeah. Well, GI Joe started as a toy line in the sixties. Yeah, but yeah. It was only it was only toys, revitalized yeah. in the eighties as the weird ass thing that it be like. It used to just be army dudes. <laughs> and I mean, how many how many GI Joes did you have in your toy box? I was ripping half because you want to rip them. You know, like look at the torso. Ah. <laughs> I was mean to my toys. <laughs> But to, just to show that success right there for, for Trauma right there, somebody to recognize it, well, we can make a toy line off of your character you created. Like you said, yeah, you take away the gore and all the the nastiness and everything like that of the movie. It's it's a kid-friendly superhero. He has a fucking mop, you know, and he, he takes out bad guys. Add a little twist to it, and you have a cartoon. But for a, a company as Trauma, you know, to get noticed, like, hey, we can put you kind of mainstream like that in the kids' market and be successful, you know, damn. Yeah, it's it's crazy. There was so much merchandise for the Toxic Crusaders. It was crazy. unbelievable. I'm, lo- I'm looking at my Sega Genesis video game right now. You know? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. There's like lunch boxes th- and oh my god, it's tons of shit. You think I they got a lot of money from that? Too. What's that, Sam? You think they got a lot of money from from that? The toy line and the cartoon and everything. I would hope so. I would think so. maybe that was the one thing that kept them afloat through the '90s. Yeah, I'm just wondering if that yeah affected their later later work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> as far as the sequels to those, you know, to those uh, early films, they even like the Class of Newcomb High sequels are just so watered down in comparison to the first film, um, but. Oh, they're kind of unwatchable. I tried watching part two again last night, and I literally got a headache from the music score. It's just there's there's <laughs> not classic, a classic Avenger two. No, a uh, class of Newcomb High two. Oh yeah. Subhumanoid like meltdown. And you <laughs> liked the music from Greasy Strangler, so you know, <laughs> the theme song in uh, class part two. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that was good. It's just it's just constant through the whole movie. There's not a single moment in that mo- in in Class of Newcomb High Two where there is not music playing, and and seventy five percent of the time it it's mixed higher than the dialogue. So there's like moments you can't even understand what people are saying because the music's so loud, and it's and it's repetitive, and it's just like ah. Oh. It was hard to watch. It was giving me a headache. But, yeah. But I liked Toxic Adventure Part 2 quite a bit. Um, oh, yeah. When it went to Toxic, it goes to Japan. Yeah, yeah. Now, 3 wasn't very good. 3 was just kind of boring, but they shot 2 and 3 back-to-back. And as we learned from the Sleepaway Camp movies, that when you do that, you know, the third <laughs> one is is uh, just kind of the leftovers <laughs> from, the, the from the yep. second one. Yeah. And honestly, that's the first one i ever seen. You know, my introduction into Troma is like I was saying earlier when Jason was talking about Class of Newcomb High was the first movie he saw. But Toxic 3 was the first Toxie movie I ever saw. 3 I was? was one, yeah, well, yeah, because wow. it was played late night on Cinemax. They was doing a Tromaville like weekend or whatever, so they were showing all these Troma movies, and I didn't know what Troma was at all. I've kind of heard of this Toxic Avenger character. I was probably like 12, 13 or something like that, or younger even. But they, so they played, you know, Toxic Three. They played Class Newcomb High. They played Haunting Fear, and there was another one they played. I can't remember. But that that was like my introduction to the trauma right there. And so seeing, 
you know, the Toxic Avenger. I knew it was a B-rated film or whatever, but some of the kill scenes, and I was like, wow. Like, when he sucked the guy's hand in the VCR and turned it on, <laughs> sure the yeah. watch it get all mauled up. I was like, holy shit, that's awesome, dude. So gory. <laughs> in the class of Nukem High, of course. Like, really obscure and the, the gore factor. And I mean, you can't get past the part after they smoke the weed and the guy's, like, cock grows really big and is, like, basically looking at him and shit. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Amazing. Cool, cool, cool. Paul, is there another trauma movie you want to bring up? Well, um, yes, but first I just want to touch on another, uh, uh, well, a couple, a couple of their acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, not that we need to talk about them at length, but they're just notable. Um, one of the first trauma related films it was an acquisition film um that i saw was unspeakable have you guys seen that i've seen the trailer for it i've never actually seen the film it's it's fantastic it's it's extremely disturbing um like the main the main character the (laughs) i hate to even call him the good guy (laughs) in the movie is on uh is 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 this uh, what's it called? Um, traumatized by the death of his daughter, um, not because he loved her as a daughter, but because he used to rape her <laughs> and misses her. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, and then he goes on a killing spree. It's like it's really, really dark and really good. Uh, so definitely, you guys should all check out Unspeakable. I saw that when I was like fifteen. I <laughs> barely knew what trauma was. I'd, I'd been I'd been hearing about trauma. And I saw Unspeakable, and it was equally like infuriating and mesmerizing when I saw it. Like I was so mad. I wasn't mad, but I was like really disturbed that I just watched that. But then I was like, I need to see more stuff like this. At the same time, uh, another one is Body Parts, um, and not the. I think there's another movie called Body Parts. Yeah, I was gonna say um, you're talking about the one with the guy from Lawnmower Man. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, it's it's not, I doubt if it's that one. No. Okay. <laughs> um, but quick backstory: I I used to work at a vacuum store, and uh, and so I found this really obscure B movie called um, Oversexed Rug Suckers from Mars. <laughs> uh, yeah. Rug suckers being vacuum cleaners. Um, so of course I had to watch it because uh, I worked at a vacuum store, and it was. It was terrible. It, there was nothing redeeming about it. It wasn't. It wasn't even like so bad. It's good. It was just bad. Um, so like you know that fast forward like many years, and I I, I rented this movie called uh, Body Parts, and I, I rented it because it was it was a trauma film, a trauma acquisition film, and um, I don't remember what whether I'd heard about it or what, but because you know they have so many movies, I don't know why I chose this one. But I watched it, and it was it was really well done. It's about a serial killer who's killing strippers at a strip club. Uh, you know, a very um, run-of-the-mill, cliche kind of storyline, but just really well done. Uh, and in true trauma fashion, it's it's goofy, it's uh, exploitative. Sex, thighs, and videotape. <laughs> What's that? It says sex, thighs, and videotape. Exactly. <laughs> and... Um, uh, but it's really well done, and, and there's some, uh, some great character dynamics between like the detectives and stuff in it. And uh, I liked it so much that I actually looked up the director, 
And sure enough, his first movie was Oversex Rug Suckers from Mars. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, this guy's this guy's made some major improvements in his in his, in his filmmaking ability. See this movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, definitely check out Unspeakable and Body Parts. Uh, and if you really want to waste a night, uh, see uh, Oversex Rug Suckers from Mars. I don't think it's a trauma film, uh, but I mean, it's just it's, it's this not guy's on the filmography. But that sounds like a a night well spent right there. It's like, it's like, it's like yo-yos, you know what I'm saying? But a waste um, of fucking time. I knew, I'd, I knew I'd heard that title when you said it, and for some reason I was thinking it was a Ted V. Mickles movie at first. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I looked it up on IMDb. The, the writer-director's name was uh, Michael Paul Girard, and yes. it looks like he mostly does Skinamax-type porn movies, including the ninth witchcraft movie, Bitter Flesh. And oh, that's my favorite one. <laughs> and a children's movie called Operation Dalmatian, The Big oh Adventure. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know there was nine witchcraft movies. Holy shit. <laughs> there are at least 11 witchcraft movies because I have a box set with the 10th and 11th ones on them. I didn't buy it for that. I bought it because there's a Guitar Wolf movie on it, but still. <laughs> well, my mind is blown now because damn. <laughs> Um, but the so the trauma movie though that I I would like to uh, touch on is Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys I, slap I, me in the face? What's that? I, you guys already slapped me in the face. I've never seen it. I mean, it's I think it's incredible. It's not as like classic as like Toxic Avenger, Tromeo and Juliet, even Terra Firmer, um, and and Newcom High, but uh. It doesn't have that classic feel, but it's just, in my opinion, it's just really, really good. I mean, it's it's campy and goofy, and you know, the there's so much unnecessary slapstick in it. Um, but it's just, it's really, I, I thought it was really good. We actually um, cast the bad guy in it, uh, Reginald Stewart, played by Bill Whedon. We cast him in one of our films, and uh, he he wound up being one of the best actors I've ever worked with. Uh, nice. Like almost Shakespearean, uh, <laughs> so so talented and taking his his acting seriously. I never expected it from the villain in Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD, <laughs> <laughs> but I should have because it really is a, a fantastic movie. And I I love kung fu movies, and I know it's not a kung yeah. fu movie, but it makes a lot of references to that kind of you know schlocky stuff. And um, yeah, I just really liked it. Yeah, I, I actually rewatched that one for the show too, and I, I again saw that one a million years ago, and I remember liking it and watched it again and liked it m- even more. Yeah, um, it's like almost all of the jokes like because it's not, it's not a very, very what you think of when you think of trauma movies because there's not I mean there's a little bit of gross stuff at the end when when the bad guy transforms into the monster, but. You know, there's very little gore and violence. It's mostly very slapsticky, and it's really fucking funny. Yeah, like almost all of the jokes land like they're supposed to. It's not funny because you're laughing at ineptitude or something that you know they tried and failed at doing. It's a genuinely funny superhero comedy. Yeah, it seems like their most accessible movie. Maybe like their most like mainstream friendly yeah like you could oh, you yeah, could yeah. you could pretty easily play that on tv with you know they'd, they'd have to you know either cut out or blur the little tiny bit of nudity that is in it but otherwise there's 
little to no swearing. There's no realistic violence. It's all completely over the top and goofy, like cartoonish. Yep. Uh, like when he chops up the the guys who are trying to steal that car <laughs> and turns them into sushi. <laughs> yeah. Oh my like, god. Yeah, that's, that's a solid. This flick. was it was one of the first ones I watched, and it was a weird situation because I was I watched it with our friend Nalani. I don't know why we decided, but we're just like, we're going to watch a trauma movie together. Just the two of us. Like, and Dustin, like, ran off and was doing something else. Like, I don't know why he left us alone just to imagine two girls watching trauma movies. I don't know. But, um, it was, I don't, I feel like those movies are better suited with, you know, people who like those sort of movies. Like, you need to watch them with a group and they might be slightly better received than just sitting there and like diving into them. Like, I don't know. Maybe there's you, a lot you of watched sexist it a little stuff. too hard. It's a little different for women watching these. I'm just going to say, cause they're incredibly sexist. Like, and I get over that stuff pretty easily, but sometimes it's a little bit rough. I'm just going to throw that out there. Hmm. I've never picked up on that. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> well, and so, like, um, have you have you, any of you guys ever seen uh, what's it called? Ferocious female freedom fighters. No, I know the title, but I've not never actually seen it. Those really off the wall trauma titles ne- doesn't always necessarily mean a good thing. So right. Like, if you if, <laughs> like Igor and the Lunatics it. or uh, what's what was one of Igor the, and the Lun- Igor and the Lunatics is actually um, it's 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 very weird and and nonlinear but it's actually a lot better than I expected. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a Charles Manson esque movie, um, but it's it's very nonlinear, so you have to be ready to like kind of sit there and and not be entertained for ninety minutes straight. It's like <laughs> ten minutes of this and then five minutes of that and thirty minutes of this and. <clears throat> yeah, like it's a good background movie to watch. But ferocious female freedom fighters is is uh, I don't know if you guys know much about it, but it's like a obscure kung fu movie that somehow I think Charles Kaufman, you know Lloyd's brother, acquired the rights to or something, and then Troma distributed it with Charles overseeing. Um, like really inaccurate, like an intentionally inaccurate overdubbing. Um, <laughs> it's it's and like I, when I first started watching it, I realized that that was what it was going to be, and it was going to be ninety minutes of completely complete nonsense overdubbing. And for a moment, I was like, maybe I shouldn't watch this. I'm going <laughs> to be really bored. And then like they started like farting instead of like talking, like when they when their mouth would move, they'd fart or something. And that hooked me in, and I watched the whole thing, and it was—I was laughing. I, I had—I had headphones and watching it on like an airplane, and I was like laughing my ass off. And uh, my wife was was ready to murder me, but it was really funny. <laughs> so it's kind of a uh, like "What's up, Tiger Lily" kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Well, maybe I will check that out. I I like that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, punk. I don't know. I, I I can't imagine they made any money on it because like it's it's. I mean, it's just a repackaged, overdubbed kung fu movie. Um, but for those, you know, dozen or two dozen people in the world that have ever seen it, 
it's it's well worth the watch. Awesome. Awesome. I'm trying to think of some other some more of the really off the wall titles that they've had over the years. Um Have you guys seen Mother's Day? Oh yeah. Yeah. The one his brother or was it his brother that made that one, right? Or yeah. That? Yeah. <clears throat> yep. I love it. I know Jason, you're not really a fan of Mother's Day. He's shaking nope. his head no for the podcast <laughs> listeners out there. That's why he's really quiet. Ah. I was I, I'll be honest, I was disappointed in it. Um, you- I was expecting a lot I I was expecting like ninety minutes of, you know, action packed gore and sex and, you know, jokes and I just felt it to be a little slow. You know, kinda like it built up to like a big ending, which was good, but not not what I was expecting. Did you ever see the quote unquote remake? Um, I don't believe so. It's it's remake and name only. It literally has nothing to do with the film, and you would almost question if it is a remake if it wasn't for the fact that Lloyd Lloyd has a Lloyd and I think Michael Hertz, or maybe no, maybe it was his brother Charles Lloyd uh, Lloyd and his brother has cameos as um, as used car salesmen on a TV in the background of one of the scenes. But it that the remake well, that qualifies is that, as a remake. Well, it's just <laughs> I'm just saying, like it it gives credit to Troma, basically saying that you know, hey, we paid the rights to make this movie because it, there was another Mother's Day, but uh, it literally has nothing to do with the first movie whatsoever. But it's actually it's actually really good. I think it's Rebecca De Mornay plays the quote unquote mother in the movie. Oh, yeah. cool. You, well, you are correct, and it is actually pretty good. I agree with you. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's more of a home invasion movie yes, than it is a hillbilly backwoods kind of thing, but yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, I definitely recommend checking that one out. Cool. Well, we've covered a lot of... A lot of uh, trauma ground there, I guess. Rummaging through the uh, toxic waste oh. landfill of of Tromaville. Any titles that we um, didn't bring up that we probably should? Some Stuck on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the when Nature Calls was in that one of the other Nature early calls. ones? Yeah, Cry hey, Uncle. Cry Uncle, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen Lloyd's very, 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 very first film, Battle of Love's Return? I've I've read about it, but never seen it. It's it's so bad that they've only ever released it in one of those like make your own damn movie box sets as a bonus as a bonus disc, <laughs> with a commentary by Lloyd on on his adventures of making his very first film. But it's interesting for me because I'm a Lynn Lowry fan, and Lynn Lowry has a has a role in the movie. But yeah, it's not very good. Mike, have you seen a uh, Graduation Day? I know you're a big Linnea Quigley fan. Yes, yes. I always thought that was really interesting that they got the rights to that, and they still have the rights to to that film. I love Graduation Day. It's a really it's a really good. Uh, early 80s slasher. Cool. But then they also... There was a... What's that? 
it's another movie I was just looking at that I need to put on my watch list that I can't believe it got past me. Surf Nazis Must Die. Oh, yeah! I love me some Surf Nazis Must Die. That was the first trauma film I ever saw because my buddy and I used to go to the, the VHS rental store um, in search of any movies about Nazis, and we just stumbled on that one. It's, it's a great movie. Any movie about Nazis. What a, what a way to search for a movie. <laughs> we were, we were, we were obs- uh, fascinated, you know, as, as villains um, with, with neo-Nazis and Nazis and stuff when I was in high school. Oh, hmm. yes, Nancy's. That's hilarious. What a way to look for movies. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen an FDR American Badass, if you want some good Nazi? No. Nazi slash oh werewolf action? I sadly missed that when it was on Netflix, and I have yet to get around to it, but it looked just the, I, I mean, there's no the way it can live up to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was there's a bo- no. Can it live up to the what I imagine in my head that being? <laughs> yes. Well, imagine an hour and a half that of good? that. Imagine an hour and a half of that trailer, I and mean, that's that's what I'll say. Well, I never even saw the trailer. Oh, I just, really? I I just saw the 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 little synopsis that Netflix had in their little thumbnail thing, and thought, shit, that's a movie I need to see. <laughs> there is that's a, scene. a really good way to see a movie right there. Is read the synopsis. Don't watch the trailer. Find a little bit about it, and then you're really surprised. There's a scene in that movie that is basically just the dialogue consists of the lyrics from a Bon Jovi song, like, and <laughs> the characters are just speaking the words. It took it took us like a solid five minutes. Like, was that was that Bon Jovi? They were just <laughs> no way. It's just a weird, hilarious movie. Oh, it's it is weird because like the Nazis are all werewolves, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Goes without saying. Was it wasn't it the Nazis, the Japanese and um the French were all werewolves or whatever? The whole the whole third oh, right were werewolves or something like that. I can't and, even remember. And a werewolf a werewolf bites FDR and that's what gives him the polio and <laughs> <laughs> It's got Ray Weiss in it. Uh, as well, and Lynn L- and not Lynn Lowry, damn it, um, Lynn Shay. She plays mm-hmm. the first lady, right? I think so. Yeah. Man, oh, everything it's... you say makes this sound better and better. <laughs> this movie should have been a trauma movie. This is what I'm saying. I always told people it's as if um, Beavis and Butthead for a book report on FDR made a made a movie version. <laughs> Because it's so, it's so. Because it's so what this movie is. His wheelchair has Gatlin guns on it. It's freaking awesome. Oh, that's amazing. Anyway, how did I get to FDR American Badass? <laughs> Love of Nazis. Nazis. Oh yeah. Somebody after, Nazis. After everything you just said, my question is, why doesn't every conversation lead to FDR American <laughs> Badass? <laughs> oh, I can't wait for you to see it, Brian. I can't wait for you to see it. Gotta find you a copy. <clears throat> I'm, but, it, it got put out on DVD, didn't it? I'm oh, yeah. sure it wasn't just a digital. Yeah, I'll just put it on my Netflix service and get it that way. Yeah, I, I've got it on DVD. Hell yeah. It was a blind buy based on just watching the trailer. Um, but yeah, Surf Nazis Must Die was a was a was is a classic. 
one I really like as well. It's got Dookie Fly Swatter in it, so there you go. Dookie. Um, oh, I'm just blanking right now on... on Because, like, back in the day, thanks to Toxic Avenger and Class of Newcomb High, anytime I'd find that Troma label on the VHS box, I instantly rented it. And 20 movies later is when I finally learned my lesson. (laughs) Like, not (laughs) all of them are going to be as good as Toxic Avenger, Class of Newcomb High. So. Any other ones to bring up? No love for Chopper Chicks Come to Zombie Town, which is the first screen appearance of, um, of, oh my god, um, god dang it, Bad Santa, um, Billy Bob Thornton, Billy Bob Thornton, <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton's first movie, or Sizzle Beach USA, Kevin, Co- Kevin Costner's first movie. Have you guys See, seen um, Madigan's Millions? No, I've not seen that one. It's an old uh, 1960s Dustin Hoffman movie, kind of like um, the Pink Panther. Like he's like a detective, or I think he's like a FBI or CIA agent, and he has to like um, uncover some robbery or something. And he's just very Pink Pantherish, where he's just always screwing up, but somehow still gets the job done. Um, and I don't know why or how Troma picked it up, but they were, they distribute it. It's like an old Dustin Hoffman film. Yeah, there it is, Dustin Hoffman right on the cover. Holy shit! Yeah. Okay. My, I my my brother gave it to me for Christmas. Um, I had never heard of it either, but I think you just saw Troma and got it for me. Okay, I couldn't take it anymore. I pulled my um, all I need to know about filmmaking. I learned from the Toxic Avenger book out, and it's got the Troma filmography in the back. Um. Beware Children at Play. That movie was awesome. Oh, yeah. Rabbit Grannies. Duh. Rabbit Grannies is always good. Is that one of their own, like the house-made movie? No, it's an, it's an acquisition. Okay. That's, that was one. I remember that being at the video store all the time when I was a kid and being intrigued and kind of disturbed by it because I was a little kid and the idea of like grandmothers being a dangerous thing kind of freaked me out but I never <laughs> did get to see it so I'll have to check that one out yeah like again some of these titles there's Croaked Frog Monster from Hell which is a retitled Bill Rabane movie the real title is oh, Rana is the Rabane. Legend of Shadow Lake Yep, Holy it's sort of, a, sort of a Gilman movie told in somewhat in the style of uh, Return to Boggy Creek in that it is told through a sequence of unnecessary and somewhat confusing flashbacks where it takes about half the movie before you figure out what the fuck part of the movie you're in at any given time based on the characters on screen. (laughs) And you almost never get a good look at the monster. Of course. Well, they would do that with a lot of their acquisitions. They would, like, get rid of the original title and slap on the craziest-ass fucking title they could think of. Like, Curse of the Cannibal Confederates, that was one I was trying to think of earlier. Dead Dudes in a House, Deadly Daphne's Revenge, uh, Death to the Peewee Squad, <laughs> Demented Death Farm Massacre, Dial for Dialing for Dingbats, uh, where, there's, Fat Guy Goes Nuts Away, which I saw a thousand times on USA Up All Night. I think I only like that one just because of nostalgia reasons. Um, Space Zombie Bingo. That's a 
fun game there. <laughs> girl, sc- girl, girl School Screamers. It's gotta be one of the worst titles ever. Horror in the Hungry Humongous Hungan. <laughs> yep, that's a title. I think I've seen that one. <laughs> I think I might have seen that one too, but I yeah. honestly can't remember it. Oh, I know which one that is. Like Jack. Okay, it's like super duper like low budget. It's like it looks like total shit. And the weirdest part is Jack Palance narrates it. Now, toward, towards the end of his life, I think he was working for Circus Peanuts. Um, oh yeah, there was there was during the time when they uh, they had the rights to um, Don Dohler's Night Beast and released that, um, and that's also around the time they put out that kick-ass Don Dohler um, documentary, um, boobs, babes, and beasts, or boobs, blood, boob- blood, boobs, and beast. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. That is a fantastic documentary oh. and v- very sad at the end. Oh yeah, I actually, you know, shed a little tear at the end of that. Um, you guys seen Trauma's War? Yes, yes. I love that movie. I think that's like the first um, movie that Joe, the in, the infamous Joe Flyshaker was in. At least as far as far as I've ever seen. Yeah, I love Trauma's War a lot too. But again, it's it's kind of a forgotten trauma film. It came out during that time between the Toxic Avenger sequels and um, Sergeant Kabuki Man. I thought it was infamously bad. Is that another one I'm thinking of? <laughs> Most of them? Yeah. Of what now? I thought Troma's War was like an infamously bad movie. I love but it. But you're saying it's good? I actually really liked it. I, I really like it. I could see why people would say it's really bad, but I really like it. It all it is is just like these people trapped on this deserted island, and um, there's some I can't even remember if it was drugs or terrorists or some some kind of like army on this island, and the people are trying to get away get away from these guys. So it's it's like 80 minutes of just gun toting action. Nice. Yeah. I forgot that uh, that Stendhal syndrome was distributed by Troma. That's right. That, that they that's were the first ones to distribute that uh, Dario Argento's film. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a good movie. It yeah. might be like the last good movie he made. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan. There's like, come on, Mother seen- of Tears is amazing. Was that after? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it's terrible. I can't remember. I don't know if I've seen that. You guys seen Dracula 3D? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. That movie was awesome. <laughs> In all the wrong ways, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen Stendhal Syndrome in years, but I remember on like the DVD, there's like this special feature of Lloyd Kaufman interviewing Dario Argento. Mm-hmm. It's just like yep. the most wacky interview because he's like holding a handheld camera and he's just like <laughs> shoving it in Dario Argento's face. <laughs> it's just like the weirdest interview. <laughs> was Dario Argento like weirded out? Uh, was yeah. he into it? Uh, it's hard to tell. You know Dario. Could, could I, you I, weird I, out I, I know Dario. <laughs> you know Dario. <laughs> it could. 
it could have been be- like he was he's like i guess i gotta do this they're actually releasing my movie <laughs> <laughs> i mean he directed his daughter in a sex scene so it's yeah i don't think yeah, he has a problem with a whole lot multiple times <laughs> I don't know that you could weird him out. I could see, yeah. like, putting him and David Lynch in a room, and after 20 minutes, Lynch would be like, get me out of here, this dude's weird! <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a time Troma had the rights to some some of Al Adamson's films, like Satan's Sadists and um, Dracula vs. Frankenstein. I think those and uh, Blood of Ghastly Horror. I'm looking at those on my shelf right now. I've got the trauma releases of all those. Oh, and um, Astro Zombies. They did a they did a, a release of Astro Zombies too. So they've gotten so their hands on some interesting stuff over the years. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Any others, any like honorable mentions or dishonorable mentions anybody want to bring up before we move on? No one wanted to talk about Killer Condom. That's enough of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we should talk about it. I watched it specifically for the show and then forgot to bring it up. <laughs> I I almost expected it to be weirder than it was. Like, I thought the plot was surprisingly... Uh, norm. I mean, obviously there are things about it that are pretty fucking weird, but from the standpoint of the story, what it's about, it was fairly standard. But I really enjoyed it. And it, was not aware until I saw in the credits that it was based on a German comic book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see who got who got credited for the condom creature design in that movie? Yeah, Jörg Butgrit. Yeah. Yeah the necromantic guy and i remember reading about that movie in fangoria when it was i'm sure it wasn't when it was in production i'm sure it was when trauma secured the rights to release it in the u.s but they had like a feature article on it and being like oh my god this looks amazing and hr giger is involved and watching the movie like he still gets credited but supposedly he designed the machine that creates the condoms I'm guessing they paid him for a uh, piece of concept art that they looked at and went, we can't fucking afford that. (laughs) (laughs) And then just built a thing out of like spare vending machine parts because there is nothing in that movie that looks anything like H.R. Giger touched it. Yeah. 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 it's It's not a bad one. It's an interesting film. Any like for, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, like, for the time it, it was made, like, was it 95, 96? Yeah. Like, like that. I mean, and being based on an independent underground property and being an independent underground movie itself, it probably wasn't that uh, subversive. But, you know, that was kind of just the very beginning time of there being uh, pro- pro- openly pro gay. You know, let's be more inclusive kinds of stuff. So, like, for the time it was made, I thought the message behind it was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And it was also one of the, it was in that, like, small surgence of, um, like, splatter gore films coming out of Germany. Like, these ultra, no-budget filmmakers 
you know, like like Necromantic or the violent shit movies and stuff like that. Um, that kind of like revolution of films, which you know, if you in America you watch you watch some of those movies, and, you know, they look like you know shitty. Sh- some of them like shitty shot on video, horrible effects type of stuff, but. Those films kind of were revolutionary for Germany and kind of opening up, um, opening up their kind of censorship of of, uh, of art. So, yeah, well, the all the Andreas Schnoss stuff that I've seen, like a Zombie ninety, Extreme Pestilence, and the Violent Shit movies, those are terrible. They're terrible. <laughs> but but uh, but Jorg's stuff is is really good. Oh yeah, I mean. You know, like visibly cheaply made and all that, but you know, setting aside problems of of budget and that kind of thing, they're fairly smartly written. I think the ending of the first Necromantic is hilarious, and I cannot <laughs> oh, yeah. ima- and I cannot imagine he didn't mean that to be funny. Oh, absolutely. But either that, or I'm just even more horrible than I already <laughs> thought. <it was. laughs> were, were, were you guys? Did you guys like Necromantic and Necromantic too? Yeah. Yeah. Really? I was <laughs> I was very underimpressed. Like I mean they weren't they weren't bad. Um just I felt lacking big time. It it takes a I while for stuff that. to happen in them. They get they yeah. do get a little draggy, especially like uh, Necromantic especially two. 2. Yeah. Yeah. 2 is really slow. Yeah. The the, the ending of it is again is pretty cool where she chops that dude's head off and uses it as the like sticks it on top of the corpse that she's fucking yeah Yeah. um Uh, don't forget but puts a zip tie on the penis so it doesn't go limp right exactly of course how could i forget that well you know what's weird is i uh, i was noticing while i was watching it that like none of that stuff seemed weird to me uh which is is i think why i was unimpressed (laughs) i'm like wait when is this gonna get like you know obscene and um, and I I kind of realized while I was watching like oh maybe this is what people think is obscene, oh. uh, so like maybe it might have been lacking because of that. Um, so when you so when you jerk off, does blood shoot out of the end of your penis? I wish <laughs> only when he's stabbing yeah. himself to death in the stomach, <laughs> and but, and little blood bubbles pop out of the end of the dick. Uh, <laughs> but as like an, as, like an as, antichrist, <laughs> chaos reigns. But as Jorg says in the uh, intro to Necromantic 2 on the Blu-ray from uh, uh, Cult Epics put those out, um, you know, they're meant to be love stories first and foremost. They're just really fucked up ones. So, like, (laughs) the the entire, like, there there are parts of the movies that drag. Like, moment by moment, they're, you know, weaker or stronger. But... On the whole, just the concept of them. So, like the the first necromantic, I love the idea that it's a story about a girl who leaves a guy for another guy who just happens to be, to be dead. Dead, yeah. <laughs> but I've I've got I haven't watched it yet, but I have a Shram on Blu-ray as well. So oh, I, I've never been able to find I, a copy of that. I've always wanted no, to see that one just because deep deep discount Amazon. You can get it anywhere now. But. Damn, Shram. Oh, yeah. okay. No wonder I can't find it. I've been looking at the wrong time. Uh That and the documentary Corpse Fucking Art. Those are the only two pieces of his that I have not seen. But um, if you get a chance, you should also check out The Death King or Detorskin. Um, which is, that, that's a way more bizarre, surreal film from him because it's just a series of people killing themselves. So. 
And Corpse Fucking Art is the name of an album by a band who I'm drawing a blank on. It's driving me nuts, but I'm glad I know where that came from now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a documentary about the first of the making of the first two Necromantic movies. So. Okay. Cool. All right, well, since we have strayed all the way into Necromantic territory, <laughs> we should probably wrap up this, uh, this discussion on trauma. So we're going to take a quick break when we come back, and it'll be segments time here on Attack of the Pill... Ah, oh, Jesus. We're going to take a break so I can learn how to talk, and when we come back, it'll be segments here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Hey, horror fans, this is Mike, one of your troop leaders over at the Horror Scouts podcast. I, with my co-hosts Brian and Nick, want to invite you to check out our show. We post new episodes every Tuesday and alternate between movie reviews and general discussions about horror. So whether we're handing out merit badges for things like writing, directing, and gore, or just talking around the campfire, we'd love for you to join us. Head over to horrorscouts.com for more info and subscribe to us on iTunes by searching Horror Scouts Podcast. You can also find us, along with all the other awesome shows on the Phantom Podcast Network at downrightcreepy.com. And if you prefer social interaction over spending time with the bodies hidden in your shed, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter with at horror underscore scouts. So grab your headphones and wrap a bloody bandana around your neck. It's time to sign up and be a horror scout. Greetings, Earthlings. My name is Clorax. From Uranus. The, the planet. The planet. And I am here to destroy the planet Earth. That is unless you donate to Attack of the Killer Podcast Patreon. By donating to Patreon, Attack of the Killer Podcast will give you several amazing perks. For $1 a month, you will get access to donor-only activity feeds and updates, commentaries, and messages from the Attack of the Killer Podcast crew. $2 or more a month, you will get that and listing your name on our website. $3 or more a month, you'll get all of that, plus the playlist of all of the Attack of the Killer podcast music, including my favorite, like this one. Attack of the Killer podcast. Attack of the Killer podcast. $5 or more a month, you'll get a personal shout-out on the upcoming next episode. And for a measly $10, you get to pick the next commentary track episode that Attack of the Killer Podcast does. Yes, you will get to pick one commentary track that the Killer Podcast crew will lovingly and hilariously talk about and make fun of throughout the film for your enjoyment and pleasure. So, in order to save your measly little planet, be sure to donate to the Attack of the Killer Podcast Patreon campaign. That's patreon.com backslash A-O-T-K-P. And we're back. And it's segments time. We're going to start off as we always do to hear from our wonderful fans out there so it's time for shout outs it's time for shout outs shout outs shout outs shout outs shout outs 
All right, so just ask what your favorite trauma films were and had a bunch of awesome replies. First off, Mike Murphy, Badass Booze Body Count. Another great podcast you all should listen to. He says, Terror Firmer. Can't go wrong, so good. Um, Our pal Tad Good, he says, Cybernator. Starring Burlington's own Lonnie Schuyler. Which I don't know if Mike saw that, but we are we know Lonnie and worked in movies with him before and I haven't seen Cybernator, so that's anyone else see it? Cybernator. It's on my list, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. Up next we have Dave Bowen. He says the original Toxic Avenger, class of Newcomb High. Tromeo and Juliet, Poltergeist, and even though it was only released by Troma and not made in-house, Redneck Zombies. It's a good list, Dave. Yay! Dave's awesome. Dave, friends with Dave? Yes. Cool. He has a good list. Um, Derek Johns, he's up next. He was uh, he's one of our newest Patreon supporters. He's awesome. Just, just saying that if you support us on Patreon, then we get to tell you how awesome you are. But uh, he says, I'm not too familiar with trauma, um, but I do like Mother's Day, Graduation Day. And is there any, he asked if there was anywhere else he can watch a lot of these without spending a ton of money in case they're really bad. And that's is something we didn't really talk about is yeah. that trauma dumped most of their catalog on YouTube. Yeah, there's a lot of their stuff on on YouTube. Um, when I was surfing through it this week, it it's actually it feels like a drop in the hat of their catalog. Right. I'm assuming probably they've lost a lot of rights to some of the stuff they've acquired over the years. Um, but it didn't dig as deep as I thought it would. That I thought it was going to. So, but there is a shit ton of stuff on there for sure. Yeah. All, all the in-house stuff is there. And, yeah. So you mean I can go as soon as we're done here and finally watch? Surf Nazis must die. Trying to remember if that was on there or not. I honestly, it, it is. Yes. Okay. Cool. I saw it when Sergeant I was looking Kabuki for Kabuki Man. Man. Yep. Sergeant Kabuki Man's on YouTube. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! I'm excited now. Woo-hoo. As Get well it. as one that I've heard of uh, that's really good, but I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Rock and Roll Space Patrol Action is Go. Oh my God! These titles. <laughs> that, that, that title sounds like a. Like a totally dubbed. No, that that's that's the real title of the movie. <laughs> that's not a trauma title. That's the actual title, right? Yep, that's not a trauma title. Nice. That is so awesome. Crazy. All right, up next we have Jack Christensen. He says Toxic Avenger, mostly the first one, but two and three have their moments. Tromeo and Juliet, Troma's War, Redneck Zombies, Blood Sucking Freaks, and I suppose Cry Uncle. Okay. He suppose. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Tim Lennerer says, I've never really been a fan of any trauma, any of the trauma stuff I've seen, but I did want to get this joke out to a wider audience. He says, <laughs> he says, every word in the title of a nymphoid barbarian in dinosaur hell, other than the A, is a goddamn lie. <laughs> oh my god I haven't seen that 
But he says, having said that, I do admire Lloyd Kaufman for establishing a corporate identity and for making profitable B-movies for about four and a half decades now. It ain't easy. And even though the movies really aren't my flavor of choice, I'm glad he's making them for his fan, fan base. And that's very well said, Tim. And up next, we got Gerald Martin. He says, ditto on the first Toxic Avenger in Class of Newcomb High. And we got Paul Doty. He says, Poltergeist, Teenage Cat Girls in Heat. Woo! Fuck yeah, Paul. You're oh, cool. wow. I love that movie. And Me too. I wrote a song about it. You did. It goes a little something like this. Don't do it. Uh, maybe <laughs> we'll post a link to it somewhere. Anyway, yeah, that'd be awesome. We, we did do a song for that. Anyway. And then he says, does Cannibal the Musical count? I'm yeah. pretty sure, fuck yeah, it counts. Um, next we got Steven Ronquillo says, Combat Shock and Diary of a Junkie. Anybody seen that? What are you really talking about? Now, I know the title. I can actually see the cover in my head, but I've never seen the movie. That's never heard of Diary of a Junkie, but he's got great taste if he likes Combat Shock. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Lisa Mer- Mary says, Poultrygeist, because I saw it on the big screen when it premiered in NYC. Got my picture with zombie chickens and obtained a signed copy of Class of Newcomb High. Lloyd Kaufman is a very nice person. He is. He's he a is. very nice person. He's a crazy person, but he's also very <laughs> nice. Yeah, he's, he's a sweetheart. He's a little crazy, but yeah, love the man. And he's just, he's so accommodating to... yeah. We, we were met lucky him a couple to, times going to Troma Dance uh, back in the we day. We got him to be in a couple of our movies, and he's yeah. just a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. But he's, he won't remember your name twenty minutes no, later. No, but that's but. anyway. And Dustin Matson says, "Redneck zombies do not open till Christmas." Oh yeah. Oh, what's up, Dustin? <laughs> Steve Hergina says. When I saw Toxic Adventure and Class of Mecham High, I was hooked. Mm-hmm. Then old Royce Kurth. Royce, first-time commenter. He's a drum, drummer friend in oh, okay. a really cool band. He says, watched Poltergeist recently. Fucking loved it. He's alone on that one. Okay, and... <laughs> sorry, Royce. Poultrygeist. And then, uh, lastly, on Facebook, Jeremy Zink says, Lloyd and company have been making some classics for decades, starting with the hilarious Squeeze Play and a line of other sexy comedies, all of which are fun to watch for curiosity's sake. And then most famously with the Toxic Avenger, possibly my personal favorite, but also help helping to jumpstart the careers of many in the industry like James Gunn, writing Tromeo and Juliet, another classic, and following it up with the absolutely bonkers love letter to us fans, Terror Firmer. To me, their work has only evolved and matured, and the movies Lloyd has been doing as of late are some of his best works. Poltergeist and Return of Newcomb High Volume 1 are both fantastic. No matter which movies you like or hate, buy them. You'll never forget them. And that's no fucking shit well, that's, there. That last <laughs> sentence is true, yeah. Yeah, that's <clears throat> for sure. 
And we didn't have anything on the Twitter. On my Facebook, there was a couple shout-outs. Oh, read them, Gary. Well, yeah, he goes by Wade Wilson on Facebook, but I'm going to call his real name out, Mr. Nathan Welch. He's a horror artist. And he said, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD, yo. So that's his favorite. And then Katie Glidewell, Toxic Avenger, hands down. So there you go. Two shout-outs off of my Facebook page. So, hey. Nice. Nice. Thank you for uh, posting, Gary. Hey, you know. Gotta give the podcast love. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's it for shout-outs. Okay, cool. So now it's time to go over to Terry with her segment, Wicked Women with Wear Tear. Excellent howls tonight, boys. Thank you. Um, Well, tonight I'm going to do a highlight of a woman who I thought would be appropriate for this episode. Uh, Miss Debbie Rashawn. Tromet, I guess, as they're called. Um, You know, she's a little background. And disclaimer, this is coming from Wikipedia, so if it's wrong, you can blame them. Um... (laughs) But apparently, um, she's Canadian, a, eh? um, and she was um, actually in the foster care system when she was younger and kind of homeless um, when she was a teenager, and got into acting um, because a fellow foster kid was auditioning, and that's kind of how she fell into that. Um, did a lot of stuff with trauma, obviously, lots of other. Uh, tons and tons of indie projects like there are way too many to even begin to name them she has over 240 credits on uh, IMDB so we're not going to list all those out but you know we talked about Tromeo and Juliet Terra Firmer some of our big ones with uh, with Troma Um, she's also a writer She's written on several projects, and she's just recently finished her first full-length feature as a director called Model Hunger. I'm not sure where that's showing or whatnot, uh, but it does have Lynn Lowry in it, so that's pretty cool. Um, There's also (laughs) been a a while back they had a release of... called Debbie Rashawn Confidential. I don't know if anyone's watched that. It was like a little documentary with uh, behind-the-scenes stuff from her years in trauma. Anyone watch that? Mm-mm. No. No? Well, it's a thing that exists, so there you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's. Uh, we follow her on Twitter. Just tweeted out for our Women in Horror Month. Um, which is this month of February. We tweeted about her today. Love love us some Debbie. Um, so, yeah. That's what she's kind of up to. She's got a bunch of films on her docket that she's working on as an actress. So, keep going, Debbie. You're awesome. Yeah, you are yeah. awesome. Yeah. Anybody have any, anybody have any favorite 
Debbie films that are not a trauma film? Put everybody on the spot. Uh, the Ungovernable Force. That's mine too. <laughs> What's the name of the one? It's got a different title now. Was it like oh, Dollhouse? Dollface. On, Dollface, yeah. It was Dorchester's Revenge for a while. Yeah. She's awesome in that. Playing, not, not playing a sexy character at all. You know, complete opposite. And I appreciate that. It looked like it was. It's a very fun character that she played in that. <clears throat> okay, so yes, thank you, Terry. Okay. Mike, he's got a Mike, he's got him. He's got the Upazootics on the brain. He's running round the houses without his shirt and trousers. Mikey's tasting movies is insane. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, Crocky. <laughs> oh, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> you just Always happy to make a complete jackass of myself for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Those intros get better and better every time, man. Okay, so I want to do stick with Troma because Troma fits right into Insane's picks. Um, but what would I pick that I we probably would make sure we didn't cover in the show? So I went with something that I had never seen before until until uh, getting ready for this topic. It's a film from 2010 called Clown Camp Massacre. This movie is really cheesy cheesy goofy comedy like right up my alley a lot of bad clown puns and jokes and and a lot of like honking noises sound effects and you know squeaky noises and stuff like that basically 15 years ago edwin went to clown camp to bring his dream of bringing laughter to the world but when no one laughed, Edwin killed the entire camp on graduation day. Now, old man Bonzo has reopened the camp, and the killings start again. So it's, it's a slasher film with a clown comedy twist to it. Um, and it's got all the Friday 13th tropes in it. It's got um, the, the uh, Crazy Ralph character in the beginning of the film where he's like, you're doomed. You're all doomed. It's a death curse. And if you get, yeah, it's got a death curse. And he's like, if you guys go to the lake, you guys are all be killed because it's got a death curse. And they're like, well, we're not going to the lake. We're going to the the clown camp. And he's like, oh, well, that place is probably okay then. So a lot of a lot of great <laughs> funny jokes like that. Um, uh, it it tackles everything about clowns you can imagine, from circus clowns to mimes to even ICP. There's, oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I guess Gary's I need to board. listen. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's right. There's a lot of there's a lot of because there's a character that's straight up like a um, like juggalo a juggalo, but they they don't refer to, they they refer to it as some other they made up rap group name and not actual insane clown posse but you know where they're going i mean he even carries around a little tiny hatchet through the movie so that's hilarious so, yeah it's 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 pretty funny 
Um, directed by Philip Gunn and David Valdez, who really don't have many other credits than that. A few other things, mostly uh, stuff that they short. There's like a short film that was released on one of the uh, go, uh, one of the Troma Dance DVD sets, that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, uh, it's it's also on YouTube uh, on the uh, on the Troma page. So check it out. Clown Camp Massacre. Awesome! Yeah. Um, one one last thing I want to bring up. A question that occurred to me when we were doing shout-outs, and I kind of want to go around the group with, with it. In this day and age, of everybody, make, everybody can make a movie, and digital content being everywhere, where, where do you guys see the future for Troma? Yeah, right. Yeah, well, like like I said, anybody can make a movie now and just release it. So it's like where will Troma stand? It's like you said they dumped their whole catalog onto YouTube, you know, so And that was done pretty much in response to Mike's question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they were no longer making money with them, so they figured fuck it, we'll just put them on YouTube. Yeah, will Troma so, go on when Lloyd gets tired? Oh, that's a, that's a that's a great part two to the question. What's going to happen to Troma when Lloyd's finally going to retire? I well, I mean, obviously, I know nothing. I don't know anyone involved with Troma, like personally or even through reading about them so much. But I could see it going one of two ways: either it goes away with Lloyd because his passion is what keeps it going, or the loyalty that his work has inspired in the people that he works with, because I'm sure they have a very tight family there. People will keep it going for a while, at least in his name. I mean, the, the, the trauma name still holds some cachet in cult movie circles. Mm -hmm. So you can make your own movie and put it out and that's fine. But if you make your own movie and trauma puts it out, at least for another 10 to 15 years or so, maybe 20 years, whatever, that that name recognition is going to be worth something. That's kind of where I was going to go with that right there. I, I see it as like the torch being handed down to somebody else. It has too hardcore of a fan base. And like I said, the tight family and the company itself. They, you know, Lloyd will probably pass it on down to somebody. They'll take it over. They'll continue the name. They'll just keep distributing out, you know, low movies or whatever. Because if you get trauma tasked, you know, put it on your movie, yeah, that's going to make it sell one way or another. Even if it's getting screened for free on YouTube or whatever, it's probably going to make some kind of revenue one way or another. Paul, what are your thoughts? You, you've kind of seen a little bit of the inside of trauma, so you may have a, a different perspective on it. Um, I don't think that Troma is going to go on after Lloyd, uh, retires, dies, gets tired. I mean, I don't think, I don't think they'll go on, which is sad. I mean, maybe they will from like a distribution only perspective Mm -hmm. or something like that, but not in the same way that we know Troma as. I just, um, 
I know Michael Hertz is is more of a businessman than anything. Uh, which I mean, we, I'm not I'm not criticizing him for that. It's they need someone like that over there. Yeah. Uh, he kind of keeps the you know he kind of keeps the place glued together. Uh, Lloyd's definitely the energy of the place, and uh, their t- <laughs> their employee turnover rate is um, <laughs> pretty high. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean they they have some long term employees, but as far as like the majority of their employees, um, they're there for a short time. So there's not much of a core there besides Lloyd, Hurt, uh, Michael, and a couple of their um, staff members. So once Lloyd is gone, I don't, I don't see them going on. I mean, maybe they could if they really wanted to, but I'm not sure they'll want to. And then what do you think about the state of things now as far as uh, the future for Troma? Like with in the world of digital and and all that. Um, you mean if if Lloyd somehow lived forever, do you think they'd survive the? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that that the odds have been so far against them since their inception, um, that they figured out a way to stay afloat, you know, financially. Um, sure. Yeah. How they do that, I have no idea. Because, <laughs> I mean. It's it's uh, it's true. Like ninety nine point nine percent of people, I don't think have ever heard of trauma, um, and that that's not, you know, that does that doesn't mean they have a small fan base because you know that point one percent is is enormous still, um, and diehard fans. But uh, with that in mind, they've managed to survive. You know, forty years of literally having the odds stacked so far against them. It's you know, it's not even funny. I mean, I think Lloyd's marriage to, um, I can never remember her name, Pat? but, you know, his yeah, wife. Pat. Yes, Pat. Yeah. Uh, the New York Film Commissioner, or at this time, I think, former New York Film Commissioner. I think that's that was really helpful mm-hmm. um, as far as surviving some stuff in the film industry that um, most independent film companies that are as ambitious as Troma would have been just completely swallowed up in. Um, but as far as, you know, the changing tide of, of you know media and film and whatnot i think lloyd is uh i think lloyd is younger and more energetic at heart than most 13 year old boys like (laughs) he does like i mean he he releases tweets um faster than donald trump he does more like you know selfie videos and stuff like that than you know 16 year old girls the the dude is unstoppable and i think he's um ahead of the times in, in a lot of sense yeah i think yeah. you're right as far as, as long as as long as lloyd's around there's always going to be a trauma uh whatever that looks like in the future is to be determined but they've always faced every type of change that has happened in the film industry you know from like independent theaters going bye-bye to the video store boom and and then being able to deal with that, and then once the video stores are gone, and you know, and now dealing with that and dealing with uh, the way the market is today, they will always find a way. As as long as you say that he stays young at heart, they're always right. and he doesn't get stuck in his ways. Um, they're always going to find a way to adapt, and that's that's going to be the key to success to to any independent filmmaker. But to have an independent film company that survived this past 40 years more than anything else 
is is testimony to where it, it could keep going as long as uh, Lloyd wants it to. So, yep, exactly. As, as much as you know, our our tastes may differ. We may not like everything they put out. You know, some stuff may strike a completely false chord with us. But Lloyd Kaufman is a true original, and oh, people who are fans of genre cinema are lucky that we got a Lloyd Kaufman to be on our side for a while. Mm. And when he goes, that is going to be a fucking, whether you hate every single frame of film he ever shot or not, <laughs> when we lose Lloyd Kaufman, that is going to be a heartbreaking day. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Any other final thoughts from anyone? Okay, I want to thank our very special guests, good old Scary Gary, for being on, Gary. and Paul. Thank you, guys. Oh. Thank you, guys. Yeah. That was a blast. So, yeah, Paul, thanks for having me on. Uh, Paul, where can people find you? Uh, you mean my, my home address? <laughs> That's up to you, but probably not. <laughs> we know you where, can people fo- where can people follow you besides down the sidewalks? <laughs> Um, they can find, I mean, our, our kind of like our headquarters is, uh, uh, ungovernablefilms.com and then our Facebook page. Uh, and we have a Twitter account, ungovernable FLM. We have a YouTube, all, all of our released stuff is on YouTube, except for, you know, Hunky Holocaust is streaming on Amazon and Troma now. And then our um, you know, other stuff is being released soon. But our website has everything, has links to all of our social media. So I usually just direct people there. So ungovernablefilms.com. Cool, cool. And thanks again for being on, Paul. It's been a blast. Thank you, guys. You bet. Gary, where can people uh, follow you at? Uh, well, you know, I'm on Tinder. It just don't swipe me to the right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> No, you can you can follow me on Twitter at scary gary kc. Uh, same with my Instagram at scary gary kc. Uh, if you want to play video games with me, check me out on Xbox Live, scary gary kc. Um, you can go to Facebook and like my Facebook page, Slaughter Movie House, where we screen independent horror films the first Monday of every month for free right here in Kansas City. We love giving the indie filmmaker a lot of love, so sure do. We're always accepting yeah. submissions, so check us out. You know, slaughtermoviehouse.com. Submit your movies to us, and uh, you know we'll consider. It, we'll check it out, and you know maybe one day we'll screen it for you. You know, have a good time. Cool. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks again for being on, Gary. It's been awesome having you. Hey, you guys are awesome, man. A couple, a couple of my favorite guys up there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, thanks. Aww. And of prescribed. course, <laughs> what's that? I said, ah, oh, prescribed films. <laughs> and of course, the rest of the podcast crew. You know, you know how you stand. Where you stand with me. Um, and all you listeners out there, thanks for listening. And from the immortal words of Lloyd, Kaufman's, Lloyd Kaufman himself, always film the nude scene first. Thanks for listening and good night. <laughs> oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the killer.